Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. We're going to jump in live right now as officials are giving an update on that Texas megachurch shooting. Uh, let's jump in and take a listen Not here. saying a security breach at all, and that's an important question. Uh, we want to acknowledge the security uh, that they had around uh, the uh, um, uh, church uh, that day and, and, and all the days. Go ahead. Can you talk, sir, about the relationship between the suspect and the seven-year-old fighting for their life? I've let the investigators say say a few words on it, uh, but uh, we do believe it's 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 a relative, and and, and uh, I think it's been confirmed uh, that is the biological mother, and if I'm I'm correct on that, and that yeah, it's the biological mother. Okay. We have a question about, about the gun, the weapon. This might be also a special agent charge. We understand that she had a previous criminal background that showed she had a misdemeanor charge for a weapon that was taken away from her, and that the FBI also made question about a possible weapon she was going to purchase in 2023. How was she able to get a hold of these weapons? That's part of the investigation, and and uh, um, the, the, he, he can speak to that um, if, if you if you want really quickly. But uh, that's the challenges that we have, and that's what law enforcement uh, talk about all the time. We need to make sure everything is tight, and we're not people standing up here uh, against second right amendments, but uh, people who are suffering from mental illness, uh, criminals, criminals, um, and and yes. Um, so we're we're looking at that, that and if uh, you want to add to it, you okay? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, Come on. I don't. Yeah. I don't really have anything to add. I think it's uh, we're in the infancy stages right. of this. I, I completely understand. We want to know the motive, how she got the weapon, why she did this. Uh, we're not there yet. If and when the FBI does make an inquiry about weapons that are going to try to be purchased by someone who has a mental health issue and a criminal background, what do you do with that information then afterwards? So when that information uh, comes through, uh, the FBI will receive it, and, and then we share that with our with our local partners. Yes. Chief? Yeah. Yes, go so ahead. Was it clear how much ammunition the suspect was carrying amongst those two rifles? 
I think we're still working through it, but can I say multiple uh, rounds of ammunition, uh, multiple rounds were fired, but just 24 hours into it, I, I don't want to give you a definitive answer. Multiple rounds uh, and multiple rounds fired. Go ahead and we'll work our way to the back. Go ahead, Mario. Yeah. Yes, Christopher Moreno, and we'll be sending that information out to y'all, um, and I don't want to speak for my uh, TABC, uh, but we'll, we'll get that out uh, sometime pretty soon. Go ahead. Because we're dealing with multiple Morenos, is there any relation here? Just want to make sure. No. No. Not that we know of. I need a clarification. Now my question. One more, and this is it. a lot of people in this room. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mario. Go ahead. Thank you for the transparency. We appreciate it. All right. Uh, I got it at 153. He arrives, or she arrives. On, forgive, forgive me. She arrives at 153. Two right. seven declared dead by HPD. How long right. before? This is the uh, shooting, shooting of the Texas mega church, Joel Church. Shooter is a transgender the, immigrant from El Salvador. The shooting began uh, almost instantaneously upon her on entering the, the building, which roughly 155. Takes her a little over a minute to get in after talking with the security guard. The firing commences right after that. There's a, a few-minute gun battle, for lack of a better term. Uh, they're exchanging gunfire, and uh, she is down. And then our, our officers followed their tactical training. They uh, they linked up. They they talked, talked about a game plan, approached the body. Somebody else pulled the 7-year-old to safety. And so all, all of this transpired within a matter of you know, less than 12 minutes. And we'll get a timeline a little bit later. Let me get you some more questions. Go ahead. Why Lakewood Church? That's a long way from Conroe where she lives. I, I can't uh, speculate for her. That's part of the investigation. Uh, but uh, it could be any place of worship. And, and as I said earlier, and I, I want us to, to kind of get this. It could be any location. Uh, bad people. Are people, su are individuals suffering from mental illness and, and, and with guns? We need to all look out for them. Those family members she was in a dispute with, though, did they attend services there? No, not at all. Go ahead, and then we'll work our way back to you. There are resources for all the community, for the community uh, that are there. Say that one more time. I'm very sorry. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah, go ahead. Come up. Hector. All right, so they're jumping away from this. Uh, the, bottom line is this. The, the seven-year-old who was shot, who's not expected to survive, they're not sure, is the, is the biological son of the shooter. The shooter utilized male and female names. And it's trying, and there was a, a Palestine sticker on the shooter's gun. But it, I mean, obviously there's an anti-Semitic and possibly an anti-Christian bias here, and we, we just don't know all these things. But, you know, Tom Massey, Congressman Tom Massey asked a great point, which is we've had a number of these shootings lately by people who identify as transgender. And are they on any drugs? Can we know what drugs they're on so we can understand potentially now what mental health impacts are going on here? Because I think it would be very, very helpful if we can, if we can know that. And I, I think that that's a legitimate question. You know, if you're if you're talking about mental illness, okay, what 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 sort of drugs, if anything, were these shooters on? Because we know with the the Nashville shooting, we know with the um, this shooting, there were a couple others too, where the shooters all identified as transgender, and are they using hormone drugs? Are they 
not using drugs or using antidepressant drugs. I mean, all all of these questions that we have, and we just don't have answers for them right now. But I think it's a it's a very good point that um, Congressman Massey asked. All right. Anyway, welcome to the show. The suspect have been arrested six times, by the way, since 2005. So there's there's a lot coming out now, and I'm understanding it was a I, I believe I, I believe a biological woman who identifies with uses both male and female names and shot her own son. She had identified as a man at different times. She had used a man's name, but I, I, but I, as I understand it, it's a biological woman. And she shot her own son. It's a terrible, terrible, awful situation. And again, I have lots of questions regarding the mental health medications, all kinds of things that we may not get the answers to because, the, again, this completely blows the narrative. You know, it's supposed to be a white MAGA guy doing stuff like this, not a an immigrant from El Salvador with a Palestine sticker on the gun who who, ident- who uses male and female pronouns. That doesn't fit the narrative. So obviously the story will go away very, very fast. Uh, there's a lot going on. And um, welcome back to the show. I'm glad you're here. I hope you had a great weekend. Hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl last night. There's a lot going on about Ukraine. And I, 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 I got to tell you, at the very, very top of the show right now, uh, early this morning, I got a note from my friend, who sent me a note that J.D. Vance had put out a memo, and J.D. Vance's memo is warning all the members of Congress that within the bill for Ukraine funding, there is a poison pill that could lead to the impeachment of Donald Trump again if he gets into his second term. So I'm going to share that with you as the show goes on today. Police have also uncovered anti-Semitic writings of this shooter at the the, uh, Lakewood, Lakewood Church in Texas. Uh, The other big story, of course, is Joe Biden's mental health and the fact that after the special counsel came out last week and said that he's he can't stand trial because he's lost his freaking marbles. uh, The only the only competent presidential candidate to to be able to stand trial is Donald Trump. The other presidential candidate is mentally incompetent to stand trial. So we're not going to pursue charges against him. And that's Joe Biden. There's been a lot of questions over the weekend about are they going to swap out Joe Biden and all Throughout the weekend, there were quite James Carville, David Axelrod. They 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 did the circuit. Um, Trump's, I mean, Biden's campaign people telling everybody Biden's not going anywhere. Biden's going to be there. Biden's not leaving the race under no no circumstances is Biden leaving the race. But there's two important things to know. The first one is the old saying, you know, Ophelia doth protest too much, or methinks that she doth protest too much, or however the Shakespearean quote is, how you like to say it. David Axelrod spending a lot of time telling us it's not going to be Michelle Obama. It's not going to be Michelle Obama. That's the other thing as I started the day today. I got a note from my friend Susie Cool on Twitter, who forwarded me what David Axelrod had said to Michael Smirconish on CNN Saturday morning and said, you see, you see, it's not going to be Michelle Obama. And the point that I that I made back is, well, if it is going to be Michelle Obama, they're not going to tell you it's going to be Michelle Obama. They're, they're, if that happens, it's going to be a last minute switcheroo at the convention. It's going to be something that happens because it just has to happen. And as Bill Maher said over the weekend, nobody really gives an F what you do at the convention anyway. So they'll play a little game, and a little switcheroo, but they're not going to tip their hand to that now. Of course, they're going to say there's no chance Michelle Obama would do it. She hates she hates politics, doesn't want to do it, blah, blah, blah. But of course, that's what would happen. She would if and I'm not predicting this. I'm just telling you that if it were to occur that way, then what would happen is Michelle Obama would say, I don't want to do this, but I have to do this to save my country from the bad man, the evil Donald Trump. Speaking of the bad man Trump, 
Maureen Dowd over the weekend from the, the far right wing New York Times wrote a piece and she calls Trump a bad man. But she also calls on Joe Biden to basically get out of the race because we all know that the guy has got some serious mental health issues going on. He's lost his mind. He's got dementia and he needs to be honest about it now. And then he needs to get out of the race. That's basically what Maureen Dowd wrote in the far right wing New York Times over the weekend. But the point about Michelle Obama and whether it's Michelle Obama or whether it's somebody else, it, it's going to be a surprise. It'll be a switcheroo. It'll be I, I don't want to do this, but for the love of my country, I have to. And you think about what Michelle Obama said recently on a podcast. They asked her what keeps her up at night. And she didn't say what keeps her up at night is, you know, landscaping, carbs. You know, wondering whether or not she's having too much dairy. No, she said what keeps her up at night is democracy, the, the, the death of democracy if Trump wins again. That's what she said. So, you know, for all the people out there saying Michelle Obama has no interest in politics, she certainly talks about politics a lot. She certainly comments on it a lot. I mean, if you're not interested in politics, there's a million things that can keep you up at night. A million things. You could, you could, you could, you could be kept up at night by just a fear of spiders. Can't sleep. But no, what she said was democracy, the death of democracy. By the way, breaking news as we just start the show today, the judge in the Georgia criminal case against President Trump says, and I quote, this is regarding the district attorney, Fawny Willis, who brought the charges and was sleeping with Nathan Wade, her boyfriend, who she brought on to be the special Assistant prosecutor as a consultant, basically, as a, you know, being brought on to help with the case, making $700,000 a year, taking trips with them. There's more information now coming to light that they were together before she hired him. That information has come to light. So the judge just said a few moments ago, uh, Matt, we have the audio of that. This was just posted just a short moment ago. There was a Zoom hearing, the judge in the Georgia criminal case regarding the the facts around a possible disqualification of the district attorney of Fulton County, Fawny Willis. Take a listen. Specifically looking at defendant Roman's motion, it alleges a personal relationship that resulted in a financial benefit to the district attorney. And that is no longer a matter of complete speculation. The state has admitted a relationship existed. And so what remains to be proven is the existence and extent of any financial benefit Again, if there, is, if there even was one. So, because I think it's possible that the facts alleged by uh, the defendant could result in disqualification, I think an evidentiary hearing must occur to establish the record on those core allegations. So, Would just to emphasize, I think the issues at point here are whether a relationship existed. And we know it did. We know it did. And now the question is, when did it, did it exist before she brought Nathan Wade on and started paying him? It certainly seems that way. And so what the judge is saying now is that they are going to move forward with an evidentiary hearing. That means Fawny Willis is toast as the district attorney in terms of handling Trump's case. She might be out completely. I mean, the, the Georgia legislature, there's a remedy that they have to basically remove her, but she will most certainly be disqualified from this case, which is the end of the Georgia case against Trump, because then they have to get another a, another prosecutor, and it can't be from her office, because the whole office is tainted. So they have to, this committee basically finds a new prosecutor, and that could take months. It could never happen. It could be a, a prosecutor who thinks that the case is BS and drops the charges. So the Georgia case is over because Fawny Willis and Nathan Wade had an affair and she paid him taxpayer dollars where they were having an affair. Allegedly, it certainly seems that way. 
And then they were going on trips together, and the whole thing stinks to high, high heaven. That's a clear conflict of interest. And for that reason, the case against Donald Trump in Georgia is, as I told you in the last couple of weeks, is over. And that was the one. That was the one they were hoping they would get him on. Because in Georgia, there's no pardon power. The governor doesn't have it. The president cannot pardon himself for a state crime. So they were thinking, this is it. We'll lock him up, throw away the key, Georgia State Prison. And then I joked about how on Inauguration Day, you know, the Navy SEALs would have to go in there and rescue the president from the Georgia penitentiary Escape from Georgia penal edition as they pull him out of the penal system and return him to Washington to serve as president. But for a different reason, the penal system worked in his favor as Phony Willis and Nathan Wade, their affair has now caused the case to blow up. So that's where that stands. In the meantime, as is getting very, very obvious now, Trump's going to beat Joe Biden. Everybody's out there defending the president's mental agility, saying he's not going anywhere. And there's no there's no chance he drops out of the race. No chance. No chance whatsoever. Except actually James Carville, when he was on the show with Smirconish on the weekend, said, well, it's never too late. And he actually reminded everybody that Lyndon Johnson was a candidate as of February of, of 1968. And it was only in March when Lyndon Johnson came out and said, I will not be running for a second term. Because obviously Lyndon Johnson had completely just messed everything up with the Vietnam War. And he was going to lose. So he dropped out in March and then was replaced. And the point is, it's, it can absolutely happen. But the key is in Carville's warning. And the warning about that is that if you, if that were to happen now, and this is the reason why... I don't dismiss the Michelle Obama rumors. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just not dismissing them like other people are. Because if, it, if they are going to do a switch, and Carville points this out, it's a process whereby you, you have state party chairs getting involved and uh, you know all these elected officials getting involved. and becomes a mess. And they won't let that happen. They won't risk that happening and then a candidate getting nominated who they can't control. So for that reason, if they're going to do anything, they're going to do it at the convention, in my opinion. And they'll, they'll cite Biden's health or Biden will cite his health or Biden will, you know, at that point, forget how to get there, whatever it is. And then it, that's when they do the little switcheroo. And look, I'm a little cynical. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a cynical guy because I spent my life in Jersey politics. And by the way, thank you again to the Atlantic County Republican Party. My buddy, Chairman Don, uh, Don Purdy, for having me there. It was a lot of fun. We had a lot of laughs, and it was honoring Jeff Andrew, Congressman Jeff Andrew. It was a great night. A lot of, lot of, lot of laughs, put it to you that way. Anyway, uh, I've been in Jersey politics a long time, and I remember when they did this exact switcheroo with Robert Torricelli, who was running for U.S. Senate. They did this after the deadline to change candidates had passed, as, as, as ballots, overseas ballots had been printed and sent out. But Torricelli was going to lose because he was corrupt. And they switched him out for Frank Lautenberg, who had been a U.S. senator for New Jersey from the inception of New Jersey. And they dug him up. He was legally dead. He's dead now again. There's a train station named after him up in Secaucus, New Jersey. But anyway, they dug up Lautenberg from the grave. He was dead. They put bolts in his neck like Frankenstein and got him back to life. And then he served a term. And then, you know, the rest is history. But anyway... He'd be 100 years old now if he were still alive. He was 100 years old when he died the first time, and then they ran him. So I've seen this, I've seen this before. I've seen this. I've, we've lived this. We've watched it. Everybody in Jersey politics knows 
that this is entirely possible. Democrats will play these games. They don't care about deadlines. They don't care about anything like that. In fact, even then, when that happened, you know, the Republican Party of New Jersey sued and said, you, it's too late. The law is very clear. The statute is very clear about when a candidate can be switched and when a candidate can't. And this is just this is it. Can't do it. But in a unanimous ruling, the New Jersey Supreme Court came back and said the voters deserve to have two party candidates on there. And it's funny because all these third party candidates joined in amicus briefs of the court. You know, you had there's always third party candidates on the ballot. And all these third party candidates joined amicus briefs, friends of the court briefs and said, yeah, we, we, we have other choices for the we don't need a Democrat. But of course, the New Jersey Supreme Court disagreed and said, forget the deadlines, forget the law. We need to have a Democrat on the ballot. So it's fine. Don't worry about the law. Just ignore it. And they put Tor- they put Lautenberg on the ballot and he won. And he beat Doug Forrester and Doug Forrester would have won that election had it been Torricelli. And it was a it was a, a damn shame. If Democrats think Joe Biden is going to lose that and and to, to Donald Trump, they will do what they have to do and Joe Biden will be removed. They, 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 they just cannot risk another term with Donald Trump. As Maureen Dowd writes in The New York Times, as she calls him a bad man, she cites the fact that he's going to go on his revenge tour in his second term. And she's not wrong. It would be a revenge tour. Uh, rightfully deserved, if you ask me. They can't. They can't let that happen. No way. This is the big story of the day today, brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, Venaria Dental. Go see him for that beautiful smile you deserve, VenariaDental.com. You deserve a great smile, and he will give it to you because he's a great guy, a great dentist, and my my dentist, VenariaDental.com. So there's no way they'll let that happen. So if they have to, if you've got 86% of people saying Biden is too old, 86%, according to an ABC News poll, 73% of Democrats say Biden is too old to be president. That's a problem. It's a real problem for them. Now, the only reason why they're not doing anything now is because they're hoping and praying that there's still a chance Nikki Haley will win and she'll keep the war in Ukraine going and everything will be status quo and they can live with that. So they don't they'll keep Biden in. Then if they won't have to worry about it, it's fine. If she wins, they can handle that for four years, but they cannot risk Trump coming back in. So when you look at all these factors and then you think about all the people going on TV all weekend. And protesting up and down about how there's no way it's going to be Michelle Obama. It's no way that Biden's getting out of the race. No way, no how, no chance. You got to say to yourself, there's a whole lot of people protesting here. A whole lot of people. And the question is, if they are going to swap out Biden, if they are going to do that, how does that process work? And what did James Carville say about what it meant when Joe Biden did not do the Super Bowl interview during halftime and what it meant that Joe Biden is not go what it means that Joe Biden is not going to debate Donald Trump that he cannot debate Donald Trump. All of that for you. We're going to talk about it today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli in a Taylor Taylor Swift free edition of the show. Don't go away. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. You know, you got to think sometimes about what I always tell you what it's really about. Like what's happening and what what's really happening. And there's two things happening right now regarding Biden. Two things. Number one, the first thing is when you think about what that the her report that came out and said, look, Biden's not competent to stand trial because a jury would think he's a senile, elderly, old codger and they wouldn't find him guilty. That got all the news. That got all the attention for the weekend. And then everybody spent the weekend saying that's not true. It's not true. It's not true. Number one. Why is that happening that way? Well, because they want him gone, because they think he's going to lose to Trump. But the second reason is because they also want you talking about that aspect of it and not about the other aspect of it, which is that what the special counsel's report really shows is a tremendous amount of overlap of Joe Biden having classified documents that provide a lot of evidence that Hunter Biden's pay to play was a family affair. Yes, So you think to yourself about what it's really about and then what it's really about. And I always tell you, too, you know, two things can be true at the same time. It can absolutely be a way that they can make everybody understand that Joe Biden's got to go. And it could be that. And also because they know that if that's the big story and the corporate media will go with it, then they won't dig in deep to figure out the timelines that exist between Joe Biden, Ukraine and Joe Biden and Hunter, Ukraine and classified documents. Because all that's there, too. It's all there. It's all there for you. And there may be another reason why they want Joe Biden gone, because all this is there. And they know that that's what they can use as leverage to get rid of him. If they think Joe Biden's going to lose, then Joe Biden's got to go. That's the bottom line. Now, the first thing is that David Axelrod was on with Michael Smirconish on Saturday morning on CNN. And he was asked about Michelle Obama. Now, I'm playing this for you because, again, it's just one of those things where You've, you've heard this a lot in politics. Somebody says, ah, I have no interest, and then they wind up running because it's, it's the only way it can actually play out would be that way. If it were to, if it were to play out, and Smirconish begins by giving the odds of what it is. Trump is a five to six shot. It's better than even. Biden's 15 to eight, a little better than two to one. Next in line, Michelle Obama, 11 to one, ahead of Nikki Haley, Gavin Newsom, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and Kamala Harris. Those are the Vegas odds makers who say the best chances of being elected this fall. So Trump is a five to six shot. Biden 15 to eight. Michelle Obama is 11 to one. And this is what Axelrod says. Take a listen. Well, here's what I know. 
Uh, Michelle Obama, Obama loves this country. She's she's a, a brilliant person and a brilliant communicator, but she was a conscript to politics. She never was interested in a political life. Even when uh, uh, Barack Obama was a young politician, uh, she really didn't participate much uh, in his campaigns. I, I was with him in his Senate campaign in 2004. I think she showed up twice uh, in the whole campaign uh, on election nights. So, uh, you know, she uh, she is not someone who likes politics. She doesn't like the tone and tenor of politics. Uh, and I would be floored <laughs> if she would uh, consent to that. They feel that they gave 10 years of their life to this. And I'm sure she feels as uh, Barbara Bush did when she said there has to be someone other than the Bushes and the Clintons who could be president of the United States. My guess is that's her attitude. I always say, Michael, that I have as much chance of dancing in the Bolshoi Ballet next year than uh, than that she would be president of the United States. Uh, and so if you see me running around at the end of the year in a leotard, you'll know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Uh, what is he going to say? What do you What do you expect him to say if if he if he's asked a question? Oh yeah, no, Michael, definitely. We are definitely prepping to swap Michelle Obama in, and we'll probably do it at the convention too. We just don't want anyone to know about it, so shh, don't say anything about it. What do you expect the guy to say? Of course, he's going to say that. Again, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm I I also refuse to just rule it out because David Axelrod just said it. That's that's of course what you have to say. You, the, the only answer is there's no way she'd ever run because the only way they can pull this off if they try this is their conventions in August. It's the end of August. And they do it because Biden's health has failed so miserably, whatever, blah, blah, blah. She doesn't want to do it. She has to do it for her country to save her country because we have the clip, what she said in that podcast interview What's keeping her up at night? And it's not, you know, oh, I don't know. I mean, are there GMOs in my food? Or I don't know. Maybe this California wine is cancerous. No, what keeps her up at night is the death of democracy. Take a listen. What is the thing that keeps you up at night now? Or what is, is your biggest fear now after having overcome so many? It has less to do with me personally and more to do with the world that we're in. There's such a thing as knowing too much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when you've been married to the president of the United States who knows everything about everything in the world, sometimes you just want to turn you know it off. You know too much. Right. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to know what was in that folder that you just got that made you quiet. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to know why the security just pulled you over. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be any range of things that comes across the desk of the leader of the free world, right? So I know a lot about what's going on and what keeps me up are the things that I know. Mm -hmm. um, the war in the region, in too many regions. What is AI gonna do for us? The environment, you know, are we moving at all fast enough? What are we doing about education? Mm. Are people gonna vote? And why aren't people voting? Are we too stuck to our phones? I mean, those yeah. are the things that yeah. keep me up because you, you don't have control over them. Mm -hmm. And you wonder, where are people, where are we in this? You know, where are our hearts? What's going to happen in this next election? I am terrified about what could possibly happen because our leaders matter. Who we select, who speaks for us, who holds that bully pulpit it affects us in ways that I, sometimes I think people take for granted. You know, the fact that people think that government, eh, you know, 
it's, it's, it does it really even do anything? And I'm like, oh my God, does government do everything for us? And we cannot take this democracy for granted. And sometimes I, I worry that we do. Those are the things mm. that keep me up. Mm. 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 Yeah, no, that's what most people who have no interest in politics say. That, that's what keeps them up at night, too. Yeah, that, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah, no, definitely. That's the standard answer from somebody who has no interest whatsoever in getting back into politics. And, of course, she doesn't have to actually be the president. I mean, Barack Obama's president now. Who do you think is running the show at the White House? Somebody said to me the other day, he's got a friend in the Secret Service. He said, Obama's in the West Wing all the time. Of course he is. So Obama's running the country now. He just run the country if Michelle was president. Again, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just simply saying that don't, don't, don't believe them when they tell you that there's no chance that would happen because that's exactly how they would play it out. It's exactly how they play it out. Here's Biden's, uh, and, and speaking of which, if they were to do it at the convention, Bill Maher made a point about this. That this is what they would do and this is how it should go and also nobody would really care. People like Bill Maher are saying this because this is what they hope happens because they're terrified again of Trump having another term. So what Bill Maher said, cut 12. Sorry, hang hang on on uh, Maher. I just noticed there was a curse word in that. that Oh, okay, no problem. Well, here's Biden's campaign co-chair, Mitch Mitch Landu from um, Louisiana. And he's never going to quit. Biden's never, ever, ever going to quit. Never, ever, ever, never, ever, never, ever, never, never, no way, no how, no chance, never. Cut 13. Is it possible? Thousand infrastructure projects. He remembers how to build one of the strongest economies in the world. He remembers how to make sure that the unemployment rate stays as low as it has for 50 years and to create 800,000 jobs. And that is why, let me just finish, that is why the president says, watch me. And the president has demonstrated an incredible amount of accomplishment in a few short years that outpaced anything that Donald Trump has ever done, including creating 15 million jobs. People are watching him. And again, 76 percent of them have those concerns. And so do some of his donors. This is what The Washington Post is saying, quote, top Biden donors were fielding calls and text messages from anxious Democrats asking if other Democrats still had time to jump into the presidential race. When is Gavin getting in? Or how about Whitmer or Shapiro buzzed around Democratic circles over the last 24 hours? How do you respond to Democrats who say they want to see a change at the top of the ticket? I'm in the process of doing it right now and, and demonstrating that the president's accomplishment have really been second to none. And Joe Biden's going to get up every day. The one thing Joe Biden is never going to do is count on this. He is never, ever going to quit because that's not what he's done his entire life, notwithstanding the fact that, by the way, he lost another Mr. child early Mr. in his life and he got up and he went to work. And then Mr. he Lynch. had difficulty with his other son and he got up and he went to work and he's going to keep doing that uh, as we move the country forward. Very quickly, was it a mistake for him not to do the Super Bowl interview to miss talking to as many as 60 million people? No, I don't think so. I think people really want to watch the Super Bowl tonight and, and, and think about football. They don't want to hear from a politician. So I think he made I think he made the right choice for himself at this time. That's exactly, of course, what you would expect Mitch Landrieu, the campaign co-chair, to say. James Carville, though, uh, different, different position on that point. You know, James Carville thinks it was a huge mistake, and it says a lot that he did not do the Super Bowl interview. And I think that James Carville is being a lot more honest here than Mitch Landrieu is. A lot more honest. Carville also said in that interview with Smirconish, she said, um, you could do it. You could swap him out at the convention. You could definitely do it. It's been done. Just a lot of people would get involved. 
See, and that's the other reason why they need to keep this under wraps because a lot of people would get involved. And then those people might choose somebody that the, that the, the, the Obamas don't want. Really, I mean, that's what it is. So if it's going to happen that way, it's going to be a switcheroo at the last minute, last possible second before they can do anything. By the way, did you notice that they mentioned Shapiro as in Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro to take over? The same problem exists, though, for them as it does with Gavin Newsom, which is how do you shove aside the first female black vice president for another white dude? I mean, Democrats have done it before. They did it with Biden getting the nomination in 2020, but this is different now. Now, they're already losing black support. Do they want to risk that by just shoving aside Kamala Harris, who's even more popular than Joe Biden is, for another white guy? Now, Woke doesn't like that very much, so Woke would not be happy if it's Newsom or Shapiro or, or you know, his royal rugness, King Philip the Unaccountable in Jersey, or even Gretchen Whitmer. I don't think they would like it. So, you know, Michelle Obama solves that problem. Of course, the other problem, other way you can solve it is you get that cranky Justice Sonia Sotomayor to step down. And then you put Kamala Harris on the Supreme Court, in which case then you've satisfied, you've gotten rid of her, and then you can make a change. That's certainly another thing they could do. I I don't trust these people, and I think you have to think about the seven or eight moves down the chessboard here because it's very obvious how bad this is. Here's Carville on with Smirconish over the weekend. you have that one, Matt? I think I think you have yeah, that one, right? Yeah, that's right. Take a listen. Well, when you don't accept the Super Bowl interview. You, you're about to know polling averages you're three points down in a two-way uh it's the biggest television audience not even close and you get a chance to do a 20 25 minute interview on that day and you don't do it that's the kind of sign that the staff or yourself doesn't have much confidence in you there's no other way to read this and he's not going to do debates he is old i i i I know what it is because I'm almost as old as he is. And it's never going to get better. You never, you know. It's never going to get better. It's never going to get better. He's not going to do debates. He didn't do the Super Bowl interview. It's never going to get better. But the other thing, too, about all this is the Ukraine corruption stuff, which I'm telling you is a problem that's trying to be glossed over. And at the very same time that's happening right now, they're still trying to push billions more for Ukraine, billions and billions of dollars. So all this is coming together at the same time. I have more details on that for you as the show progresses today. 855-839-1210 is the number if you want to weigh in. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. You can always listen, of course, on the free Odyssey app. Don't forget to do that. It's free. May have to restart it a couple times, but it's free. Matt, did you did you um, get the curse word out of Bill Maher by uh, chance? Let's play that when we come back. We'll play that when we come back. I know he drops an F-bomb in it, but we have a delay of anywhere from 17 minutes to a half hour. So I don't think it's a big deal if we got to dump it. But We have 30 seconds. Right, 30 seconds. They increased sure. it. Okay. On the app, it's only 10 minutes. So well, you'll hear this 10 minutes from now if you're listening on the app. <laughs> the app, all bets are off. Right. When you're listening on the app, by the time you're hearing me say, you are now caught up, you're 10 minutes behind. <laughs> Just know that. Listen, Dr. Mike Venaria is going to give you the beautiful smile you deserve. Just go to VenariaDental.com. V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. He's my dentist. He's my friend. He's a great guy. He's got two locations to serve you in Cinnaminson and Woodbury. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, all right, with all my, my 
self-improvement regimen. Have I neglected my smile? Well, if you have, you're not alone. People do it all the time. They're worried about going to the dentist or they think it's too expensive or whatever it is. But you deserve a great smile. And that's what Dr. Mike does. His specialty, those complicated dental implants, complicated dental procedures. If you've had an estimate on one, go see Dr. Mike Venaria for a second opinion. For over 10 years, he's been recognized, 10 consecutive years, as a master of dental implants, as one of the absolute top dentists in New Jersey. And he's a great guy. I told you the whole family goes to him. He's uh, got great music playing in the office, great people working for him, and both of his locations are wonderful, accommodating, and they put your care first. So reach out to him today, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. My buddy, my friend, and the master of dental implants, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the Odyssey app. Yeah, we got a lot going on today. It's a busy, busy day. All right, DeSantis, were you able to get the uh, curse word out of Bill Maher? It is edited now, yes. It is edited for your listening entertainment from Friday night's Real Clear. Take a listen. He did not run on a promise not to run again, but he did run on a big hint. Yeah. He said, I see myself as a bridge right. that's collapsing. Yeah. Uh, no. But I see myself as a bridge. I read that as one term. Uh-huh. Okay. And I guess the question now is, is it too late? And I don't think it is, because I still think you can do it at the convention. I don't, I, I, and people have said to me, oh, that's ridiculous. They'll look like, they'll look like nothing. Nobody gives a f- what you do at the convention. <laughs> They'd be thrilled if they did it the day before the election. Yeah, uh, th- you can definitely do it at the convention. No question about it. No, no doubt about it. Or you could just have uh, Travis Kelsey just scream in his face and tell him to get out of the out of the race. You could try that. All right. So what what happened with that, Henry? When he was screaming, is he having a roid rage? So that was right after uh, a fumble that led to a turnover. Got the uh, gave the 49ers the ball back. Uh, he was upset that he wasn't in the game. Uh, that he wasn't really getting the targets that uh, he should to start off the game because the offense was kind of stalling at that point. So I think uh, you know the emotion of a championship game, of a Super Bowl, got the best of him. Got in his coach's face, being like, "Hey, you got. I got to be in the game. I I got to have the ball. We can't have things like this happen in the Super Bowl." And he shoved him. He yeah, shoved that, Big Red. That was uncalled for. Yeah, you, you should think? never be shoving your coach. Uh, shouldn't be screaming like that in his face either. I understand where he's coming from with that, but no, it's unacceptable. Nah, you don't shove your coach. Everybody knows that. It's bad sportsmanship. Kids are watching, damn it. Just like when his uh, his girlfriend chugged a beer. Kids are watching, damn it. <laughs> uh, now, did, what, did, what did Andy Reid say about, about getting shoved? Did he say anything? Uh... Andy Reid deflected. He was like, oh, I just got my hip replaced. He uh, kind of surprised me and knocked me over. And when oh, they asked Travis please. about it, he said, uh, I was just telling him, telling him how much I love him. Oh, please. Yeah. I'm friggin' liars. Uh, you know, winning solves all you know all problems. You win. Oh, that's true. You don't, you don't got an issue. Yeah, winning does have a, an amazing ability to do that to people. It really, truly does. Did you like the game? That was a good game, right? Oh, great game. I mean, the good guys won. Yeah. Good guys won. Yeah. Well, God. it was a big win for the CIA. Am I right? <laughs> Psyop is going according to plan. We were watching it last night, and we kept making jokes like, uh, you know, the, you know, the kicker for San Francisco who missed that extra point. Oh, Moody. Yeah. yeah. So you know the reason why? Because they were holding his mother, and they said that they would kill her if he 
kick that point. <laughs> True story. No joke. They threatened to put her in a CIA black site in Algeria if he made that extra point. I'm just I'm just reporting what I heard. I don't know if it's true or not. Kick, kick it low enough so so the yeah, chief kick can it block low it. enough and you'll or you'll never see your mother again. <laughs> We're gonna waterboard her in Algeria. It is nuts that he managed to hit those two fifty yarders, but the chip yeah. shot extra point he blew. Just saying, just saying. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just saying it. <laughs> Anyway, uh, listen, big four o'clock hour, the link between Biden and Ukraine and the special counsel's report on the classified documents is there much more here than just simply he's an elderly man with a bad memory. You bet. Uh, NJ Diet's going to help you lose some weight, 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days. That's it. 40 days to lose 20 to 40 plus pounds. You can do this. And NJ Diet's with you every step of the way. And I'm so excited that the results are guaranteed because it's all natural. No shots, no hormones. You don't have to be taking shots for the rest of your life. You don't want the side effects and you don't want surgery. You don't want to eat awful prepackaged food. Disgusting. You want to do it the right way. See, NJ Diet uses your body chemistry specific to you, your biochemistry. And that's why it works. And that's why it's guaranteed to work. And you get the doctor's personal email, the doctor's personal phone number. And they are there for you every day every step of the way to make sure you lose the weight and then you keep it off. So call them today and get started. Before you know it, spring is here. The sweaters are gone and you are going to be feeling and looking your best. Go to njdiet.com, njdiet.com or call them at 855-5NJ-DIET, 855-5NJ-DIET and lose the weight for good. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Secretary's hospitalized again. The duties were transferred. I guess the question is, does anybody think that the produce section is now running our country? Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Great to have you with us on a busy Monday after the Super Bowl. Never easy coming back to work after the Super Bowl. Am I right? Stay up late. You have a great time. You enjoy yourselves. And then you got to go to work. But we're here. We're here for you. We'll be with you till 7 o'clock. So thanks for being here. The big story of the day today, though, is um, Ukraine. It really is. It's amazing to me that the big story is Ukraine. But that's what's happening. Ukraine is the issue. Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. Why? Because it's about money. That's why. It's about money and it's about the never-ending, ever, never, ever, never-ending funding to Ukraine. And as Senator J.D. Vance pointed out today, there is a poison pill that would basically lead to the end of Donald Trump's presidency. It would lead to the end of Donald Trump's presidency if, in fact, this were to pass. Because if he ever were to cut off the funds, if he became president, it would be an impeachable offense. And they're putting that into the bill in a way that they can then be able to use against Trump in the future, much like what they did, if you remember, when they went after Trump the last time after he had put a pause on Ukraine funding after his phone call with Zelensky where he was trying to get dirt on Joe Biden, allegedly. But really, truly, it's because there is dirt on Joe Biden. And 
we know there's dirt on Joe Biden because it all came out in the report on the classified documents. The problem is you just probably missed it. You probably missed it because you, like me, like a lot of people, we were looking and paying attention to what was said about Biden's mental health, what was said about Biden's memory for good reason, for good reason. What was said about Biden's memory is not good. Guy is a feeble old man. Matt, do you have his attorney on with Margaret Brennan? I believe you do from over the weekend. Uh, His attorney went on CBS Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan and disputed the idea that he's got a bad memory, disputed what the special counsel her came up with. And, of course, now the media is all doing their thing. They're turning around and saying that they are, um, this guy was a Trump-appointed special counsel, and Merrick Garland never should have put a Trump-appointed guy in there. Please. You know, these U.S. attorneys are appointed essentially now by the United States senators from the state. Senatorial courtesy really is how that usually happens. But here's Bob Bauer, Biden's attorney. Take a listen. So what you're talking about and letters you've released make it sound like there are indeed transcripts that you have of these conversations over the 8th and the 9th. Yes, I'm drawing here on my recollections. But yes, there are transcripts. And as you heard um, Ian Sams in the press briefing room say, you know, there are discussions underway because it's a classified document about Mm -hmm. what could or whether will be or when released. I can't add anything to that today. Do you favor releasing them? Well, it's really a decision that has to take place within the government. It's a classified document. I'm the president's personal counsel. Right. Would you recommend that these be made public if they indeed back up your personal record? Again, there's a process underway. I'm not a specialist in that process. And so I really have to defer to those who have to work through those issues. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to release the transcripts is basically what he's saying. It's not going to happen. They're not going to release the transcripts, and that's the end of it. But there's a great piece over at The Federalist by one of their investigative journalists by the name of Margot Cleveland, who points out Joe Biden's classified documents provide more evidence that Hunter's pay-to-play was a family affair. I'll get into that with you before the show's over today. I get a lot on that. But here's Senator J.D. Vance on the floor of the Senate today. He talks about the military-industrial complex, the experts ensuring that we fund Ukraine forever and ever and ever. Take a listen. So many times in the last many decades have we been asked to listen to the experts, and yet we never actually ask what the track record of those experts is in matters of foreign policy. The experts, the bipartisan consensus, of course, got us into Vietnam, a war that lasted nearly 15 years that saw the destruction of nearly 60,000 American lives. And for what? It was the bipartisan foreign policy consensus, the experts that got us into a 20-year war in Afghanistan, where American taxpayers for two decades funded things like how to turn Afghanistan into a flowering democracy or how to ensure that the Afghans had proper American thoughts about gender in the 21st century. Well, maybe that was a waste of money, and maybe the experts were wrong. Those same experts, of course, counseled us that we must invade Iraq because Iraq has weapons of mass destruction, and yet Iraq had no weapons of mass destruction, and the war led not only to the destruction of 5,000 American lives and many, many hundreds of thousands of innocent people beyond that, but also led to the regional empowerment of Iran, which now we are told by those same experts is the biggest problem that we face in the Middle East. Now those experts have a new crusade. Now those experts have a new thing that American taxpayers must fund and must fund indefinitely, and it is called the conflict in Ukraine. 
The conflict in Ukraine, indefinitely, no doubt, indubitably, no question about it. Here's Senator Rand Paul talking about the fact that it is absolutely a crime, criminal neglect to do this while we have our border wide open. Cut seven. You know, I would say it's criminal neglect for Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, and Joe Biden to get together to send $100 billion overseas to fix someone else's border before addressing our border. We have an emergency. We have an invasion. We have 700,000 people came across in the last two months, and they're willing just to punt on that. You know, they put forward a fake proposal. It wasn't any good. We shot it down. But that doesn't mean we're ready to give up on it. Many of us want to fight. 32 of us out of 48, three-fourths of us said we wanted to keep fighting. We want to actually fix the border before we ship $100 billion of our money overseas. I meet no one in Kentucky, no conservatives across the land that are for this, but the leadership of the Senate under Mitch McConnell is more concerned with sending your money to Ukraine than they are with the invasion of the southern border, and I've had enough. I'm going to do everything in my power to slow down and stop this, and I told them they can vote when hell freezes over Mm. because frankly this isn't in the best interest of our country the money has to be borrowed we don't have a hundred billion sitting around we borrow 1.5 trillion and they're going to borrow another 100 billion so essentially we ask china for money to send it to ukraine it makes us weaker it's bad for our country mitch mcconnell joe biden and chuck schumer are wrong on this and i'm going to do everything i can to slow them down at the very least and possibly there'll be enough of an uprising of people calling in and saying mitch mcconnell who are you do you represent the Republicans? Do you represent conservatives? Mm. Are you in lockstep with Chuck Schumer? There needs to be an uprising in the country. And if that happens, we still have a chance we can stop this. Yeah, well, you know, the problem, though, is that the machine is humming along here and the machine doesn't really care as long as Ukraine gets their money. I mean, I'm not even joking. Over the weekend, Mayorkas, Alejandro Mayorkas, was was on the, the, uh, the Sunday shows, Meet the Press, with Kristen Welker. And was asked the question, you know, do you guys bear responsibility for the border crisis? Do you, feel, do, you, do you bear any responsibility whatsoever? This is the big story of the day today brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Go see him today for your perfect smile, VenariaDental.com. My dentist, my friend, and the master of dental implants. So Alejandro Mayorkas, you know, does he have any, does he any responsibility, any responsibility here in the border crisis whatsoever? Does he deserve to keep his job? I don't think so, but this is what he said, cut 10. Let me just ask you, though, big picture. You have now been in your position for three years. And let's talk about what's happened during those three years. More migrants have crossed the border illegally last year than ever before. The asylum cases backlog has more than tripled since 2019. You yourself have said that more than 85 percent of migrants caught crossing the border illegally are being released into the U.S. as they await their court dates. Let's just put impeachment aside for a minute. Why do you deserve to keep your job, Mr. Secretary? Kristen, the, um, the, the data that you cite is a powerful example of why we need legislation to fix what everyone agrees is a broken immigration system. And you take a snapshot of the data over the past three years. Uh, let's take a look before the last three years. That case backlog, which is about three million cases, has been growing year over year over year. The time between um, when we encounter an individual at the border and the time of final adjudication 
of an asylum case has been years, five to seven years, four years and years. I remember when I entered the Department of Homeland Security in 2009, we were wrestling with these very same issues. The system has not been fixed for 30 years. A bipartisan group of senators have now presented us with the tools and resources we need, bipartisan group, and yet um, Congress killed it before even reading it. No doubt there is gridlock on Congress, but do you bear responsibility for what is happening at the border, what the president himself has called a crisis? It certainly is a crisis, and well, we don't bear responsibility for a broken system, and we're doing a tremendous amount. You know how it keeps saying, that, thank that you very much. System. You know how it keeps saying broken system, 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 system. You know, this is the, this is the mental deflection. The, the system is broken. Now, the system is not broken. The system is something totally different. The immigration system has to deal with legal ports of entry, has to deal with papers, paperwork, filing applications, visas, asylum hearings, court hearings, court dates, all that stuff. But that's not what we're talking about. That's what they keep making it back to, the system. But what, what we're talking about here is the border. We're talking about the invasion at the southern border. That's the issue. So when they, again, it's the word games they play, the little semantic word games of don't look over here at the 300,000 people sinking over the border a month. Look at the system because the system's broken. It was broken before I got here. Okay, but let me just play devil's advocate here for a second because if if you're acknowledging the system was broken before you got there and you've been there three years, it means you haven't fixed it. So aren't you ineffective at your job? Yes, but no, then he turns around and blames Republicans for not fixing it. When, again, what they proposed would not fix the border. It was dealing with the immigration system. It didn't deal with the border crisis and the invasion. They're two separate things. They want you to think it's the same thing, but it's not the same thing. It's not even close to being the same thing. I told you it's the equivalent of saying that, you know, there's bad food at the airport versus airport security. Two totally different things. You know, it's one thing to complain about, well, you know, the system in terms of getting our vendors to deliver the high quality food that our, our flyers expect and the, and the drinks. And we've been dealing with that. And no, no, we're talking about people coming through the airport illegally, not not what they're getting once they're inside. That's the that's what they're talking about. I mean, he's talking about the interior system or the legal ports of entry. And we're talking about an invasion on the southern border. So, you know, he doesn't believe there's any responsibility. Of course, he says he deserves to keep his job. Why wouldn't he? Now they can blame Republicans. Marco Rubio, blasting Democrats. And, you know, good for him. Rubio has come a long way here on on this issue, because at one point, Rubio would have been one of those guys out there saying that Ukraine spending has to triumph everything, has to trump everything. I think maybe he's realizing a little bit that it's not exactly what the Republican Party wants. It's not exactly what Republican primary voters are looking for. Maybe he's maybe he's finally he's finally catching up to that point. Cut nine. But just to clarify something, are you in support of aid to Ukraine? I think if we secure our own border here in the United States, I've said that we should do we should help Ukraine. Look, half the money that's going to Ukraine is not going to Ukraine. It's to buy back our own weapons that we gave them to restock our own shelves. And obviously, Taiwan is included there as well. My problem is this. Before we do these things, we have to make America and Americans a priority again in city after city now in New York, in Denver, in Chicago. 
here in Florida to some extent, we are seeing the impact of this migrant crisis, not just on social services, not, not, but, but on the street and, and crime and, and a crime wave that we have going on. And, and, and now you've got you know, like the mayor of Denver is now crying because, he, you know, he says the federal government has to send him a bunch of money to help with the migrant crisis. And he says the only people that are not to blame for this are the migrants themselves. Why are we spending all of this taxpayer money to house migrants, feed migrants, accommodate migrants? We have a bunch of needs in our own country for mm. Americans. How is that not our priority? So Americans have to be our priority, and then we can help our allies. Yeah, but the, that's the problem, though, Marco, and this is where you're wrong. I mean, this is where you're wrong. It's, it's going to take a long time and a lot of money to fix America, and that's the problem. You know, so, I mean, you turn around and you, you, you tow the party line. I, mean, I give you credit for saying that America should be first. But what you should be turning around and saying is no, because we're not we're not giving ourselves the money back. That's that's a ridiculous notion. What he just said there, that money is going to go to American defense contractors who are going to ship those weapons over to Ukraine. But that's why they want this to keep going. But it's still our money, man. It's still our money. So, no, if you if you're saying America first and make it America first and that's the thing. But that's the problem, though. Is that every everybody, everybody wants the money in Ukraine to continue. And that's why they put this poison pill into the bill where they could lead to Trump's impeachment if Trump were to come out as president and stop funding Ukraine. They're baking this in. I mean, it's crazy what they're trying to do on Capitol Hill. And that's why Senator J.D. Vance is warning everybody. By the way, um, her is going to testify. H.U.R. He's the guy that did the Biden document report. He's going to testify. And Trump is also dealing with a uh, hearing right now on the classified documents case that, that's still going on with President Donald Trump. So all that's happening as well. The whole thing is, I mean, it's like the as if the entire political season is going to be spent in court, except for the part about Joe Biden, because Joe Biden, of course, again, is not fit to stand trial. Donald Trump's the only person here who's fit to stand trial of the two presidential candidates. Just think about just think about that for a moment. Just think about that. Now, Tucker Carlson interviewed Vladimir Putin. There's a lot of anger at Tucker Carlson for interviewing Vladimir Putin. They're very, very upset with him. They're very mad at him. They don't like the fact that he did that. I'll have more to say on that as the show goes on. But remember something. A big part of the reason for that is because the narrative has to be that Ukraine gets this money because Putin, bad man, who will go through Ukraine and then conquer the rest of the world. He will go on and he will go into Poland and he'll go into Czechoslovakia and he'll go all the way up and it'll be just like Hitler. The same thing again. It just it's the same thing. And this is the argument. So you can't sit down with a monster like this or you'll get blasted because that has to be the argument. And I'll prove that to you. Senator Chris Murphy over the weekend and Margaret Brennan, you know, they 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 tell you what Putin has said he's going to do. Putin has not said he's going to do this, but they keep saying this. And if you disagree with the Ukraine money, that means that you're pro Putin, you're pro Russia and you want to see Russia take over all of Europe. And that leads to then, of course, a, a war between the United States and Russia. Now, none of that is true. None of it is true. But it's what they're saying. And they're saying this over and over again. This is Chris Murphy with Margaret Brennan, Cut 6. I want to talk about the pieces you're trying to pick up here with this, uh, what, $95 billion emergency spending bill. Do you have any sense yet if there are 60 votes to pass all of this aid? 
I think we're going to pass this spending bill for Ukraine. We have already moved past several procedural hurdles that require 60 votes. I think there will be 60 votes in the end, and there has to be. On many days, Ukraine is firing one quarter of the artillery shells that Russia is. Some days they are only interrupting half the missiles that are being sent at Ukrainian cities. We are on the precipice of a disaster for Ukraine and for the world. Nikki Haley is right. Putin has made it clear Mm -hmm. that if he wins Ukraine, he is going to continue on ultimately to a country that's going to get the United States directly involved in a confrontation with Russia. So it has been hard to get Republican votes to support Ukraine, made very difficult by Donald Trump's uh, opposition to Ukraine funding. Mm -hmm. But I think we're going to get this done in the Senate by early to mid next week. I have no doubts they'll get it done in the Senate. The question is, is the House going to go along with it? That's the question. Now, you know, everybody's angry at Trump. They're also angry at Trump because he said NATO has to pay its bills. So they're very, very angry at that. They're angry that that Trump had the audacity to say to NATO, well, you have to pay your bills. And the spin, of course, is that what Trump is saying is Russia should go attack NATO. This is, again, the, the corporate media spin. Russia should go attack NATO countries and the United States won't help. In fact, we'll cheer Russia on. Now, if you hear that in what he's saying, then you're you're hearing something that I'm not because I didn't hear him say that. But this is what he said. Cut three. They asked me that question. One of the presidents of a big country stood up, said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay. You're delinquent. He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. You got to pay your bills. All right, so you got to pay your bills. It sounds to me like if the NATO countries pay and don't take advantage of the United States of America, then the United States of America will live up to its treaty obligations. I don't think that that's an unreasonable point. I will tell you, though, Trump needs to uh, please don't. There's no reason to make any comments about Nikki Haley's husband. None whatsoever. Dude, you're beating her by 20 something points in her home state of South Carolina. You are crushing her in every other state. You're, you're destroying her on Super Tuesday. There's no reason to make that into a story. None whatsoever. Absolutely none. You don't punch down. That's one of those big rules. I know Trump loves to do that, but that's one of the things that winds up, I think, causing him problems. You don't need to do that. There's no reason to bring up Nikki Haley's husband, whether or not, I mean, the guy's overseas serving, so that just looks bad. But whether or not there are rumors about her and her husband, first of all, nobody cares. That's number one. Number two, you are crushing her in such a way, you shouldn't even be talking about her. You shouldn't even be mentioning Nikki Haley at this point. That's, the name should not even, there's no reason to. Honestly, there isn't. Because all that happens is then Nikki Haley winds up getting all this attention. It doesn't help. It doesn't make it any any better in that sense. But you notice what Chris Murphy said, though. He said Nikki Haley's right. See, this is the difference here. This is why I told you that if Nikki Haley wins, if Nikki Haley wins the presidency, Democrats can live with that. They can live with that because the war in Ukraine will keep going. That's why they cannot risk another term with Trump. They just simply can't. That's it. Uh, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. And I'll tell you exactly what Nikki Haley said about the Ukraine aid package. Upon my return, your thoughts on this too. Weigh in. I want to hear from you. And I want to tell you about my friends at McCausland Lock Service. You know, we have our big Travis Mannion Foundation Radiothon coming up next month in March. I'm so excited. I'm really excited for it because it's going to be great. Oh, yes. Thank you, Matt. Um, 20 out of 31 NATO countries don't pay the 2% they're supposed to. 2%. That's all they're supposed to pay. 
and 20 out of 31 don't pay. So the United States, once again, is picking up the bill for all these other countries. And I think a lot of people are tired of us always having to be the world's police and the world's bank, too. I think a lot of people are tired of that. All right, so McCall's in Lock Service. They, they are always happy to stand with us for the Travis Manion Foundation Radiothon. And Tom and Chrissy and the entire team at McCall's and Lock Service are there for you. Have you lost a key fob? Those key fobs, maybe they're not working anymore. Well, if you need to have them repaired or replaced, McCausland is who you should call. See, McCausland will do it for you, in most cases, while you wait. In most cases, 50% cheaper than the dealer. And they service all makes and models, even high-end luxury cars as well, like Mercedes and BMWs and others. For over 100 years, McCausland Lock Service has been that family business there to help you all along. So reach out to them today. And you'll be very, very happy. McCausland Lock Service. If you've lost your car keys, your key fob is broken, call them today. They're conveniently located on Route 420 in Prospect Park, PA. And the number is 610-430-1500. Ask to speak to Tom or Chrissy about how they can help you. 610-430-1500. And remember, they stand with us. They stand with our veterans. They stand with the Travis Madden Foundation Radiothon that we will be doing again in March. So use them if you have any of those needs. Repair, replace, reprogram original factory remotes, transponder keys, ship keys, and more. McCausland Lock Service. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Do we have any data, by the way, on how many people call out sick today? I mean, might be a little too early for that still, right? I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm curious. I think they were saying something like the sick day after the Super Bowl Sunday is like the highest sick day of the year oh, or something like e- that. Easily, yeah. It is, right? Yeah. Easily, because everybody's up late and partying. I'm sure sure we'll get those numbers by tomorrow. So uh, the study has been done in the past, and it showed that there were 16 million people uh, that call out the day after the Super Bowl. 16 million? Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of people. And, you know, people stayed up late to watch the overtime, too. So I'd imagine that number increased this year. I think it was the seventh longest game in NFL history. Yeah. Hmm. 
Well, yeah, because, I mean, how often do Super Bowl games go in overtime anyway? That was the second one ever. Ever? Yeah. The other one was the Patriots and the Falcons when the Patriots came back from down 28-3. Really? Yeah. Hmm. This is wow. the first one with the new overtime rules. Which the Niners didn't know. Losers. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, you still take first ball. No. Yes, because you were the first one to get... You would get first possession and third possession, and third possession ends in... Uh, but if you get the second possession, you scores. know exactly what you need. You know exactly what you need to go down the field and either tie the game or win. Say the 49ers had scored there, you know, scored a touchdown meaning. Yeah. Chiefs would have went for two and won the game because you're not giving the ball back to the 49ers in a sudden death scenario when their kicker's been kicking 55 yarders all game. You're just not doing that. I don't know. I think you'd still want third possession because once sudden death starts, you're the team that gets first ball, and I don't know how you would surrender Right, that. but... I get that this, the you gave team it to that Patrick gets second well, wait, has... Well, wait a second, though. Don't you think... I mean, if San Francisco had gone for it instead of going for a field goal... It, I mean, if they had, you know, if... Like, I'm saying... But like, you it, know why they didn't. Because they couldn't. Because of the CIA. They wouldn't let them. <laughs> Is that what the CIA yes. interfered with the play calling? They're like, we're, yes. ki- we're kicking it here? All right. If, if you go for it, your mother will be waterboarded. That's what the, <laughs> one of the the offensive coordinator, I believe, was. They had his, they had his mother. Like Kyle, Kyle Shanahan? Yes. Thought I saw her in the stands, though. Well, they. I mean, that's what that's what they do it. They very publicly, and then you know somebody makes like a you know sign, like the finger across the neck sign. So that's why they had to kick a field goal there, because otherwise they probably would have went for it and won. And then Taylor Swift would have lost the Super Bowl. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. No, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Thank you. I'm trying to help. I'm just here to help. You know what I mean? Here to help. <laughs> You guys are talking strategy, but you don't. You're not seeing the bigger picture. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. Yeah, these are, are things I factored in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know it's not easy. It's it's um, it's awkward. How to deal with all that? <laughs> oh man, I'll tell you what. But I did, I did, uh, I did like what's his face who sang the song. Not the halftime one. The guy who played the national, not the national anthem. God, God bless America. What's his name? The guy Post at the beginning Malone? who did that. Yes. Yeah, he was good. He was good. Doppelganger. Usher was terrible, I thought. I didn't watch it. I went outside and had a cigar. You didn't miss uh, anything. I thought Usher was pretty good. Nah, he took it, and he took a shirt. I, I didn't need to see shirtless Usher while I was you trying to You know he was going to do that. Eat chicken wings. Uh, yeah, I don't want to look at his nipples. Keep your shirt on. Yeah, nobody wants to see nipples. No. Nobody. No, nobody. Not those kind. He put the, <laughs> Didn't Rihanna already have a nipple incident? No, that was Janet Jackson. Oh, Janet Jackson. Yeah. We already had a nipple at the Super Bowl. It's been done. <laughs> it's been I, done already. You know I, what I mean? I thought Alicia Keys was good. Alicia Keys was good. Luda was good. Basically, everyone they brought out that wasn't AGR. Usher was good. And yet, Usher was like the the quote-unquote crown jewel of the performance, which I didn't understand. And he mm-hmm. didn't bring out Justin Bieber. A lot of people were disappointed. Uh, yeah, I was disappointed to that, too. Everyone yeah, wanted no, Bieber. Yeah, no, I couldn't sleep last night. You didn't think about what keeps Michelle Obama <laughs> up. It was me thinking about why didn't they bring out the Beeb. He was at the game, too. <laughs> so he was there. Yeah, he's like, I'm not, I'm not working on the Super Bowl. What are you, crazy? Nor should he have to, by the way. Nor should he have to. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a holiday he respects. Yes. Although he's Canadian, does he even know anything about American Can- football? Totally. I mean, the, the C- Canadians watch football. They have the CFL. Or are they a soccer country? They have the CFL. Uh, he likes uh, Cuban football, <laughs> like his prime minister. <laughs> so, uh, allegedly. 
Alleged. I don't know if that's true or not. Did you like the commercials? I thought those were kind of disappointing, too. You know, I got to tell you, I really love the Christopher Walken one because I'm a huge Walken mm-hmm. fan. And um, I, I everybody thinks I can do an impression of Christopher Walken. And I thought that was funny. I, I like that, that was one. A good that, one. That, was, that was good. Chris Pratt Pringle commercial, also very funny, I, liked, I thought. Yeah, that was good. I liked uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger one. That was good. Yeah. I but I I said this all like last week. I said it on Rooney's show too. Like commercials in the Super Bowl are all sad now. Yeah. They'll try to pull at the heartstrings. I'm like, I don't want that. I want to laugh. That's like why I'm tuning in. I don't need I any know. statements here. I don't need to cry. There's enough tears. Seriously. Am I right? There's enough tears out there. We don't need it. Also, how much money did Xi Jinping dump into those Timu commercials? Do oh we really gosh, need Chinese yeah. Amazon? They're everywhere. I, they had to have aired that same commercial four or five times during the broadcast, and I think it was seven million bucks every uh, however many seconds. Like so thirty seconds. Yeah, whatever. they must have spent a fortune. You know, speaking of Chris Pratt, Jack Carr's new book is coming out soon, and uh, I spoke with his publisher. We are looks like we're going to do an event with Jack this year. You know, we skipped Jack Carr's. Jack Carr skipped us last year, but I think we're his new book, Red Sky Morning, is supposed to come out May eleventh, I believe. We're going to have an event with Jack right around that time. And, you know, Chris Pratt plays his main character in the Amazon show that they made, The Terminalist. You see they're uh, making a prequel to that? They are. Yeah, that'll be good. And they just signed up, uh, what's his name? Hem, the uh, the lesser Hemsworth, not Thor, the other guy. Liam? Lee, is it Liam or is it? Chris? There's, no. there's three of Chris them. Chris is the good Hemsworth. Liam Hemsworth is the one that Well, there's, there's, likes. A, there's the third one, too. I always forget his name. Uh, he doesn't even Chris, Hem, Chris Hemsworth, no? Now, Chris is Thor, isn't it? Oh, he's Thor? He's the, okay. Yeah, he's the good Hemsworth. He's the one you'd recognize. Maybe Luke, it's him. Oh. I don't know. I'm I not sure. I didn't think Hemsworth. so. Luke, but. Chris, and Liam. Oh, yeah. He, no, because you know what? I, I don't think Chris Hemsworth, Liam. I think it's Liam, right? I think. Uh, anyway. Let's find All out. I know is this. <laughs> Jack Carr comes. It's going to be yeah. It's Luke Luke Hemsworth. Oh, it's the lesser Hemsworth. lesser Hemsworth. He's the, to do the Terminalist Dark Wolf. That's the prequel to Jack Carr's books. Jack Carr's series. He just signed on to that. The lesser Hemsworth. So they all look the same. I'm looking They're at a picture of him handsome. right now. Yeah. Uh, but that's going to be. But a Jack Carr event would be great. You know what I mean? That would be fun. Oh, this Hemsworth is kind of short. Oh, yeah, he got the short end of the stick with the uh, the height. Listen, jeans. every litter has to have a runt. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, the, aren't the other two like six five or something? Yeah. This guy's five nine. Yeah. No, that's why he's not featured in more things. I'm also seeing a Daily Mail has a story, by the way, that um, you know they had um, these whistleblowers have come out to say that the United States military has video evidence of a disc shaped UFO intercepting a nuclear missile over California. And it allegedly took place September 15th, 1964. How about that? All right. I, I need to see this. I, this is the first I'm hearing about this. I know. This is just a, it's a big uh, whistleblowers. Again, you can't, this is why don't rule out the fact that the CIA was in charge of that game last night. I'm, just say, I'm not saying they were. I'm just saying don't rule it out. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> You can't rule anything out. That's all I'm saying to you, okay? 
If you do, it's at your own detriment. You know well, I mean? guess if UFOs are snatching up nuclear missiles, then basically anything's possible at that Anything point. is possible. So that's my point. We shot a nuke at a UFO. We kept it secret since 1964. Well, Rich, what do you think about uh, Biden tweeting out that like dark branded meme after the game was over? So stupid, right? And what about Biden being on TikTok when we're not supposed to be on TikTok? Yeah, that's a weird strategy. <laughs> It, isn't it banned from all government devices? It's banned from all government devices. It's a national security risk. They asked John Kirby about it today, and John Kirby admitted that, yes, it's not something people are allowed to do. The dark Brandon thing is stupid. Dark Brandon is it's basically Joe Biden with red eyes. And the whole thing is that they, they, you know, they made a joke about how uh, all these people thought there was a conspiracy around the game being rigged. And then they did a dark Brandon meme. It's creepy and silly and stupid with Biden's big red eyes to say like ha ha I told you we did it or something like that you yeah. know what I mean plus it's just silly there's no way he would have tweeted it because he would have been in bed already yeah it, he went to bed four hours before that tweet came out <laughs> hours before <laughs> he also went on he ragged about shrinkflation he, he went on and, and criticized his own economy in a video makes no sense but, no, the TikTok thing is um, Biden put out a TikTok little ad, and then Kirby was asked about it. Kirby, uh, do you have that audio of Kirby answering the question on that? I have Kirby, and I have the TikTok ad. All right, here's the TikTok thing that Joe Biden did. Tell me how silly this is. Take a listen. Chiefs or Niners? Two great quarterbacks. Hard to decide. But if I didn't say I was for the Eagles, then I'd be sleeping alone. My wife's a Philly girl. Game or commercials? Game. Game or halftime show? Game. Jason Kelsey or Travis Kelsey? Mama Kelsey. I understand she makes great chocolate chip cookies. Deviously plotting to rig the season so the Chiefs would make the Super Bowl or the Chiefs just being a good football team? I'd get in trouble if I told you. Trump or Biden? Are you kidding? <laughs> Biden. <laughs> yeah, that was his dark Brandon thing. So then here's the, uh, the acting president, John Kirby. He's the only one you ever hear from. John Kirby was asked a question today by the White House press corps, like, hey, you know, listen, you guys have banned TikTok from government employees using it, and now you're now the president's on there. What's what's the story with that? Uh, take a listen. Uh, thanks so much. Um, John, on TikTok, can you explain what are the national security concerns that the administration has about TikTok? As you know, uh, it's not approved for use on uh, government devices, and that remains the, the case uh, today. And I think... Uh, um, again, I don't want to get into too much of the uh, uh, of the national security technical reasons behind that, but um, it, it does have to do with concerns about the preservation of data and the potential misuse of that data and privacy information uh, by foreign actors. I think that's as does far as I can go. It's wise for people to use TikTok. Uh, again, that's that's not something that I. I'm qualified to say from the National Security Council. All I can tell you is it's it's banned on U.S. government devices, and we follow that guidance. Okay. Now, uh, that means then the president should also not be on TikTok, if you ask me. By the way, breaking news, Trump has just asked the United States Supreme Court to extend the delay in, inter- in election interference trial claiming immunity. He's asking the Supreme Court to extend the delay, the current delay in the election interference, quote unquote, election interference trial. That is, of course, the special counsel, Jack Smith, charging the president. And Trump is now saying he has immunity. He's asked the Supreme Court, of course, to weigh in. This will be an appeal of the lower court's ruling saying Trump doesn't have And I'm sure the trial is going to continue to be delayed, and that is going to happen. And I imagine the United States Supreme Court will take the appeal and will probably 
want to hear the question of whether or not a president has immunity from these charges because when does a president have immunity when does a president not have immunity and all these things so that just happened a few moments ago and breaking news right here on the show um and here's something else i want to mention you i often make a comment that i wish i could eat pizza every day and not get fat well this guy did although it's not really pizza it's fugazi pizza this guy ate domino's pizza in every day and he lost 13 pounds. 13 pounds. But you know what the thing about this, though, is that Matt DeSantis, as I was reading this, this guy's a teenager and he's a, he's a personal trainer. He's young and he works out. I could definitely, if I, you're that age and you work out, you can eat anything you want. Anything you want. Yeah, I was excited at first when I saw the article. Then as I skimmed through it, this guy's a fraud. He ate pizza every day, but it was basically a small pizza once per day. The rest of the day, he was uh, at a strict diet, and he was working out constantly. That doesn't count for anything. No, if you're working out all day, you can eat anything you want, and especially if you're young, because your metabolism is, is, is super fast and everything like that. That's a dumb story. That's a clickbait. You know what? That's a clickbait story right there. That's worse than rage bait. That's clickbait is what that is. Awful. Yeah, Terrible he's, story. He's a fraud. And it is a fraud. Now, speaking of frauds, Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself. I've said that before. Well, his brother, Mark, he um, shared photographs of his brother's body after he was found dead in his jail cell in August 2019 that he says raised questions over what really led to his death. He did uh, an interview with Megyn Kelly of Sirius XM. Remember... You know, today, the whistleblowers have come out to say that a nuclear missile basically shot down a UFO. Um, I'm not saying the CIA did, in fact, cause Kansas or cause San Francisco 49ers to miss the extra point. I'm just saying. Well, here's Jeffrey Epstein's brother. Cut 19. Give us the give us the, you know, the elevator pitch on why you do not believe your brother killed himself. Well, let me first start off by saying that when I found out that he was dead, uh, I I heard it on CNN. So the government didn't notify me, as they've claimed in their report. I heard it on television. And at first, I just assumed that, well, I had no reason to doubt it and that he decided to kill himself. Uh, So I respected that. I I respected that as his decision. He didn't have any children. Uh, our parents are gone. He would know he didn't have to worry about me. He had no other close you know, relatives. So I just assumed that that was the case. But then uh, the next day, they performed the autopsy. And just as a precaution, I had uh, we had hired Dr. Michael Barden to witness the autopsy, which I have the right to do. And the city pathologist, Dr. Roman, and Dr. Barden came out of the autopsy saying that they could not call this a suicide because it looked too much like a homicide. And, you know, make it clear that Dr. there's nobody who has more experience with prison deaths than Dr. Barden. And he said he's never seen these results, these like three broken bones in Jeffrey's neck from a suicidal hanging like this. So then the questions became, uh, you know, if he didn't commit suicide, then he was killed. And then who killed him? How how was it done? Uh, so these questions started coming up. And then uh, Attorney General Barr came out publicly and, and said a real asinine statement. He said that he saw he personally saw the videotape of the camera that was on outside of the tier where you could see the tier door. Explain tier. Oh, that's the, the floor where Jeff's cell was. You go into a door. 
and it's a corridor with four cells on either side of that corridor. And at the far end of that corridor, you, there's a camera that faces towards the door. So anything that takes place on that tier, you know, outside of the cells could be viewed by that camera. Well, miraculously, that camera was not functioning that night. Miraculously. Imagine that. Miraculously. Amazing how that happens, right? All right. Listen, we got a lot to chat about as the show continues today. There's breaking news around Trump and the Supreme Court case. And uh, the question, of course, of what is the government going to come for next in your home? I'll tell you about that as well. Could it be your gas stove? Could it be your dishwasher? It's hard to say. One thing I do know, though, is that when it comes to our medical care, the entire Zioli family chooses Cooper. Cooper University Healthcare is South Jersey's leading academic health system for a reason. They are committed, compassionate, and complete. You can trust Cooper, just like my family does. From the MD Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper, where they are doing life-changing work on cancer, saving people's lives. The Cooper Neurological Institute, with more than 75 specialties, including advanced pediatric, including advanced surgical care, pediatric care, primary care, and more. Cooper is there for your family. The Cooper Urgent Care Centers, where you'll see actual providers who are on the very front lines of the region's number one level one trauma center at Cooper, who are also there at Cooper Urgent Care for any of your urgent care needs. So get an appointment today by visiting cooperhealth.org, cooperhealth.org, or call them 1-800-8-COOPER. Remember, we trust Cooper for all our health, and you should too. Cooper University Healthcare cooperhealth.org thanks for listening to the seoli show podcast from talk radio 1210 wpht and the odyssey app all righty friday after the super monday after the super bowl friday getting away from me there monday after the super bowl never easy but we're here today and glad you are as well 855-839-1210 on twitter at rich zioli since i'm breaking news coming out of uh the uh, the United States Supreme Court today, Trump asking them to delay his trial in D.C. so that they can get to the bottom of whether or not he has presidential immunity, would be covered by immunity. So that's something that um, I imagine the Supreme Court will take the appeal. Remember, the lower court just ruled that Trump does not have immunity. I think it was a terrible ruling. I think it opens up future presidents to criminal, criminal, not civil, but criminal suits. I mean, criminal you know, charges, really. And I think it's incredibly problematic. And I'm glad that Trump has asked the United States Supreme Court to to uh, take his appeal. I imagine they will. I really do. I imagine they they will do that. Uh, they should do that because this is a very, very tricky, tricky situation. I also reported to you earlier as we got on the air, there was breaking news in Georgia where the judge in the Georgia criminal case against President Trump says, I think it's possible that the facts alleged could result in the disqualification for Fawny Willis. She's the district attorney of Fulton County. I think an evidentiary hearing must evidentiary hearing must occur to establish the record on these core allegations. So that means that they're going to have a hearing. And what that also means is that Fawny Willis and her relationship with Nathan Wade is all going to come out that she was, in fact, involved with him. Before she hired him, that massive conflict of interest is going to mean her office cannot continue with the prosecution. Then it goes to a council under Georgia law. That council will then determine if and when a new prosecutor will take over and who it'll be. Could be somebody who's pro-Trump. Could be somebody who thinks the facts of the case are BS. Could not be anyone who's appointed until well after the election's over. 
So I have said, and I believe, truly do believe, that the Georgia case is over at this time. There's no question about that. Um, it is over. And now the only question will be whether or not um, the case in D.C. will move forward. Will it move forward now or will it move forward later? Uh, and if it gets too close to the election, it's not going to move forward at all because it's it, it, there's just no way it can. The Department of Justice has their own kind of unwritten rules on the matter. And basically the rules say that if it's within 90 days of an election, you can't go forward. So I think all these legal cases against Trump are over at this point. And I think you're seeing that. And I think that that's why people are reacting in the way that they are and why they're so desperate right now to try to stop Trump from becoming president. That's why we're talking. We're talking about swapping out Joe Biden for this reason. We're talking about that for this reason. And by the way, you know, Joe Biden has been useless, useless on the hostage situation. There's breaking news now that Joe Biden says, oh, we're talking about possibly now a deal with Hamas for hostage exchanges. Do you know that um, during the Super Bowl last night, you may have noticed this, the Israeli government actually bought time during the Super Bowl and they had a 30 second ad pleading for the release of the hostages from the October 7th Hamas terrorist attack. They, 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 they bought a Super Bowl ad entitled Bring All the Dads Back Home, which a narrator talked about the importance of fathers as the video of those dads who have been held in captivity now for more than 120 days played during the commercial. Here's a little bit of that. Cut 19. <laughs> funny ones, the silly ones, the strong ones, the adventurous ones. To all the dads held in captivity by Hamas for over 120 days, we vow to bring you home. So there you go. But Biden's been useless on this. And, you know, the question, of course, of what's going to happen right now, Biden just gave a press conference. Well, not a press conference. He gave a speech. But um, he he is now commending Netanyahu. Um, I, I guess uh, I'll give you the, the, the update on that. It's the all these stories now that are coming out, breaking news around this. But I think the reality is that Joe Biden, has, his handling of this has just been terrible. You know, he tells Israel what to do and gives Ukraine a, a free pass on, on everything. But Biden and, and King Abdullah of Jordan talked about this and he forgot Hamas's name. He fumbled. I mean, it's just it, as usual. But the ongoing hostage deal negotiations are happening right now. And hopefully something will come of this. But um, he's not well. I mean, he's just not well. Biden is not well. And that's the bottom line here. And everybody can see that. Everybody can see that. 855-839-1210. Big five o'clock hour straight ahead for you. 30 minutes of nonstop talk. Oh, and look, we may be getting some snow, kids. That should be a lot of fun. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210. WPHT. And on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5 30 minutes of non stop talk with Rich Zioli. Is there going to be a hostage deal with Hamas? How much money is Ukraine going to get? And is Biden mentally competent or not? 
The White House keeps giving mixed messages. What's going on here? As now people are realizing what we've already known. Biden is hiding his own Easter eggs. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210. And on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. So Biden had the King of Jordan today uh, with him, and they had a they had a meeting. And what's interesting about that is, you know, we talked about Michelle Obama earlier. And I told you, and I've been saying, and I don't think I'm the only one saying it, that we really think Barack Obama is actually still calling the shots. He's still running the place. I mean, Biden's foreign policy is Barack Obama's foreign policy. I mean, especially when it concerns uh, Iran, especially when it concerns his obvious disdain policy-wise for Israel, you know, forgetting his remarks. And now we can kind of confirm a little bit of what we've been saying, because it turns out that Barack Obama is, like I told you, around a lot. So for people that don't want anything to do with politics, like David Axelrod said, for people that have had it, they're fed up and they don't want anything to do with it. It's funny how that guy keeps showing up everywhere. Take a listen. Let me start by welcoming his majesty, the King of Jordan. He's been a good friend. Abdul, welcome back to the White House, man. Welcome back. And by the way, Barack's looking at you in the corner over there. And by the way, Barack's looking at you at the corner over there. Barack, as in Barack Obama, as in Barack Hussein Obama, the former president of the United States of America. Just hanging out. Just hanging out. You know, no big deal. No big thing. Just hanging out of the White House. This is Biden now talking about the hostages and um, what could potentially be occurring. Take a listen. Not only do we pray for peace, we're actively working for peace security and dignity for both the Palestinian people and the Israeli people. And I'm working on this day and night with the king and others in the region to find the means to bring all these hostages home, to ease the humanitarian crisis and to end the terror threat and to bring peace to Gaza and Israel, enduring peace with the two-state solution for two peoples. As the King and I discussed today, the United States is working on a hostage deal between Israel and Hamas, which would bring an immediate and sustained period of calm to Gaza for at least six weeks, which we could then take the time to build something more enduring. Over the past month, I've had calls with Prime Minister Netanyahu, as well as the leaders of Egypt and Qatar, to push this forward. The key element of the deals are on the table. There are gaps that remain, but I've encouraged Israeli leaders to keep working to achieve the deal. The United States will do everything possible to make it happen. We'll see if we'll see if it actually happens. But um, Senator Rand Paul, a few moments ago on the uh, on the Senate floor, just came out and said, "Pop the champagne corks, because eighty billion dollars of your money." is now going to Kiev. Senator Rand Paul just said that a few moments ago. So you really can see now where this race is going here when it comes to Ukraine. And I told you that J.D. Vance, and I'll get into a little bit more detail on this, but he has put out a memo to his colleagues saying, listen, within this Ukraine funding bill is a poison pill that could lead to Trump's next impeachment. All right. Could lead to Trump's next impeachment. I also played for you the comments of Donald Trump earlier when he talked about NATO and said, if you don't pay, don't ask us to protect you. And a little bit of information on this when it comes to NATO, and thank you, Matt DeSantis, for sending this my way. There's a little, some, some interesting facts for you on this whole issue of when it comes to country, com, uh, countries that pay. Only 11 of the NATO members pay. There's 31 NATO countries. Only 11 of them actually pay. That means that 20 of them 
don't pay, and it's 2% they're supposed to pay. Now, the left is also melting down over the idea that Trump's going to leave NATO, all right? Just leave NATO, destroy America's relationship with Europe. But last year, Congress included an amendment, which was offered by Tim Kaine of Virginia and Marco Rubio of Florida. It's a bipartisan amendment that requires the advice and consent of the Senate or an act of Congress before any president could suspend terminate or withdraw u.s membership in nato the language sets a high threshold two-thirds of all senators to approve a withdrawal and it bars any funding from being used to support such a move by any government official it became law when biden signed the fiscal year 2024 national defense authorization act late december so in other words it's not going to happen it's not going to happen and it's again one of those media myths but this is Nikki Haley. This is this this election choice is coming down to, and I don't think it's really a choice because I think Trump's blowing her out of the water. But it really is coming down to Ukraine. There's no question around about it. Nikki is all in on Ukraine, and she said so over the weekend. She was on with Margaret Brennan. So again, you know, if you are a Republican who wants to see your money go to Ukraine, if you think this is where the party still needs to be, if you think this is where your money should go. Well, then, you know, there's your choice right here. Cut number five. He did talk about the border. In fact, he encouraged Republicans to kill the bipartisan deal that was brokered. Um, And last night, he was also talking about at this very critical moment for Ukraine, when the Senate is this weekend debating military aid, he came out and criticized the nearly $100 billion aid package. Given what you know, would you encourage Republican lawmakers now to back this nearly $100 billion security supplemental? Well, the first thing I'll say is, you know, I think that Biden and Congress have done a poor job telling Americans why they should care about Ukraine. And so you can't blame the American people if they say, why are we doing this? The way we need to look at it is I don't think we should give any country straight up cash because you can't follow That's it and not you can't what this hold is. it accountable. But I do think we should support Ukraine and I do think we should give them the equipment and ammunition to win. Because listen to Putin's own words. He said once he takes Ukraine, Poland and the Baltics are next. Those are NATO countries and that puts America at war. This is about preventing war. That's the important reason why we have to support Ukraine. There you go. She also responded to Trump's NATO comments. And again, if you forgot what Trump said, I'll replay it for you. Just to refresh your memory if you're just joining us. And I don't think I don't think this is that controversial. NATO members have an obligation to pay. They're not paying. And the question is, should the United States have to step in and once again pick up the tab for all these other countries around the world? It's just a very fundamental basic question here. It's not like the countries don't have the money. They have the money. They're just not paying it. Cut number three. They asked me that question. One of the presidents of a big country stood up and said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay. You're delinquent. He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. You got to pay your bills. No, I don't think he'd really encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. I don't, I don't think he really means that when he says that. Trump says a lot of hyperbole, but the point is you got to pay your bills. Haley responded to that again. Here's your choice. This is the choice in the Republican primary. It's very, very clear. Uh, cut four. And last night, Trump said the most irresponsible thing. He said, any country in NATO that doesn't pay their fair share, I'm going to encourage Russia 
to go in and NATO. Now, let me tell you something. I dealt with Russia every single day at the United Nations. Putin kills his opponents. He invades free countries. This is not someone you ever want to pal around with. And you certainly don't want to give them the right to invade a friend. I am all for making NATO pay their fair share. But the reason that that has been the most successful organization in 75 years is because Russia's never invaded a NATO country. They know that together we're united. And they're not going to invade a NATO country. Some of the notable countries that are not paying their 2% of their annual GDP, which is required to be a NATO member, France. Well, you know, they're having a tough time over there in France. Not enough people buying croissants, apparently. The Netherlands, Norway, Denmark, Germany, Italy. Now, I'll defend the Italians for a moment. Because quite frankly, you know, the Italians flip-flop all the time with their loyalties, so you never know. Canada. That's right. Little Justin's not paying his fair share. Turkey, Spain. So you see, you would think to yourself, why are these countries not paying? It's because they know that the United States of America isn't really serious about it. That's the bottom line. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying these countries, you, you got to pay your money. You got you to pay. I don't think there's, I don't know why that's controversial. But again, we have a mindset here, which is the United States of America has to be the world's police. And the United States of America has to be the world's bank account, too. When it comes to these things, Vladimir Putin, even if he wins and conquers Ukraine and that's it, he's not going further than that. This is a lie that's being told over and over again. But my question is this. If Europe is so worried about that, several of those countries I just read you are European countries. Why are they not paying their their NATO dues? And if they're so worried about this, why is Europe not doing more to step up and stop Russia? Why did this become a United States issue? And the reason why it becomes that is because of NATO. But my point is, if all these NATO countries are really worried about this, why aren't they doing more about it? Now, the Wall Street Journal had a piece about this. You know, Donald Trump and NATO deterrence. His latest comments about the alliance will please Vladimir Putin. Now, the Wall Street Journal editorial board gets this stuff wrong a lot, in my opinion. I'm not surprised by this. But... The, the point of the matter is, is, you know, they're all in on funding Ukraine. They're all in on this. They're all in on, on seeing more money go to Ukraine and they want to see that happen. And where is the debate that's happening about the United States of America and Ukraine among the American people? Why, where, where, is the, where is the resolution by Congress authorizing this? We're just passing supplemental spending bills. That's all we're doing. We're not even we're not even having Congress have a debate about does the United States of America need to stop? Because because if, if that's the case, I'm, I'll, I'll make this point. If it's so crucial that we stop Putin now before he wins in Ukraine, because he's going to take over Europe and we're going to be at war with him, don't you think that that is something that we should be debating? That the United States Congress should be debating, and there should be some sort of a resolution passed. There should be some sort of of, a, of an actual official position taken by the United States Congress on this matter, so that the American people can know what the point is, what the direction is, what's happening. Because otherwise, I think it's just hyperbole. I think it's all nonsensical hyperbole just to try to get Ukraine the money. If we're if if we are really believing that that Vladimir Putin is going to go through Ukraine and then roll into Poland and then take over all of Europe, and Europe doesn't seem to be that worried about this, 
Where's the debate in Congress authorizing the United States of America to do whatever it takes to stop Vladimir Putin and to make sure that Ukraine wins? I haven't I haven't seen that resolution even de- debated of you. No, we're just once again sending money over there under the guise of, well, we have to send the money because otherwise uh, Putin's going to take over the world and we'll be fighting him. That's the case, then maybe the United States should be doing everything it possibly can to make sure that Russia loses, right? I mean, isn't that what you would, the conclusion you would draw if it's that serious? But then maybe it's not that serious and maybe it's just a talking point to just basically now turn around and get everybody to give them the money, which is what I'm starting to think this is, well, not starting to think, what I've known this has all been about. The threat and this idea that at one point Putin's going to take over the world. And ask yourself, France is not paying their NATO fair share, but France is buying Vladimir Putin's natural gas. So explain that to me. Why would they keep making the guy richer if they're so worried he's going to come in and roll through the streets of uh, of Paris in the Champs-Élysées, huh? Huh? Now, I have another point, too, to make, and that is about artificial intelligence. The um, move is happening where AI is starting to threaten white-collar jobs. And I'll get into that with you as well, too. White-collar jobs, not just blue-collar jobs. Everybody hears about the blue-collar jobs, the assembly lines and everything like this. But it turns out the white-collar jobs might also be threatened. The big story of the hour brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria. VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. Go see him today for your perfect smile, the smile that you deserve from my dentist and my friend, Dr. Mike Venaria. Now, The United States Supreme Court is going to come out, I think, very soon and rule that Colorado is out of its freaking mind trying to keep Trump off the ballot. Here is the Democrat Colorado Secretary of State, Jenna Griswold, who believes that it would be, and this is an interesting choice of words, suppressive if Trump is allowed to be on the ballot. Think about this now. Suppressive. Even Judge Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson pointed out the ambiguity in the 14th Amendment, Section 3, because it does not list the word president. And says if there's any ambiguity, don't we have to don't we have to err on the side of democracy and give the people the choice here? That's liberal justice Katanji Brown Jackson who said that in the oral arguments last week. But the Democrat Colorado Secretary of State doesn't see it that way. She thinks putting him on the ballot, allowing people to make a choice, allowing democracy to do its thing, would be, in her words, suppressive. Take a listen. States like Colorado believe that it is confusing and potentially suppressive to put a candidate on a ballot who cannot assume office. That's why, just like that non-natural born citizen, uh, we kept Donald Trump off because he is disqualified in, in, from our perspective under the Constitution for being an oath-breaking insurrectionist. So, now, what did you know, Matt DeSantis, you just pointed out an observation about Jenna Griswold as you watched the video and we played the audio. <laughs> she never blinks ever. She doesn't blink? Every clip that we ever pull of her, she's she's just like dead behind the eyes. It's creepy. Maybe she's artificial intelligence. Is it possible? <laughs> I could definitely see that. Doesn't blink, huh? She's still living in denial, too. Even after oral arguments, um, the Supreme Court oral argument, she was saying that you couldn't judge whether or not they were going to rule for or against Colorado. She, she's just weird. Yeah, you, you couldn't judge that even though all the liberal justices, <laughs> with the exception of the cranky one, were all basically saying the same things that, that the conservative justices were saying. But, yeah, how can you interpret that in any way, shape, or form, right? Yeah, exactly. 
Now, I brought up Rihanna before, and I made a mistake. I said I thought the nipple the nipple malfunction was Rihanna. It was actually Janet Jackson. Turns out Biden brought up Rihanna today at the White House as well, as he confused the queen of Jordan's name. Take a listen. He's been a good friend. Abdul, welcome back to the White House, man. Welcome back. And by the way, Barack's looking at you in the corner over there. And along with Queen Rihanna, who's uh, meeting with Jill now, and the Queen and the Crown Prince Hussein. Where is the Prince Hussein? I thought he was coming out. At any rate. <laughs> so it's, it's Queen Rihanna. I mean, she is the Queen. She is the Queen. No question a, about it. Not a Jordan, though. Yeah. Biden's got Rihanna on the brain. Just saying. <laughs> Queen Rihanna. Where's the crown prince? Is he around here? Well, whatever. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, it's just, uh, she's beautiful, by the way. The Queen of Jordan. Gorgeous. Qu- Queen Rihanna. Queen, Queen uh, I think her name is Renea. Yeah. Renea. Renea. Is that how you say it? Renea? I think it's Renea. I know it's not Rihanna, though. It's- that I know. <laughs> She's 53. She is a beautiful princess or queen. She's queen. She's queen. And um, she went to, let's see, where'd she go? She's only five foot six. That's actually pretty tall. Oh, she is good looking. I just looked her up. Yeah. I mean, she's definitely better looking than her husband, but he's the king. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, she, you know. Yeah, the King of Jordan did well for himself. He, the King he of Jordan outkicked his, outkicked his coverage. No question about oh, yeah. it. Am I right? He's not a good-looking guy. I, I wouldn't be surprised for Biden to say something that inappropriate to him either. You know, <laughs> I really would. Where's that Queen Rihanna? I'll tell you what, I don't know how you got that. Must be because you're the king. Am I right? Huh? <laughs> Must be nice. It's good to be the king, as Mel Brooks said. It's good to be the king. Now, uh, is it possible that she's a Scientologist? Apparently, I'm told now that uh, suppressive is part of their language. When they don't like somebody, they are considered a suppressive person. I don't know. Matt, well, Matt DeSantis, you've been accused of being a Scientologist before because Tom yeah, Cruise follows you on you. Twitter. Do you want to ask him? I don't, I don't. You're the one who accused me of being a Scientologist. Not me. No. <laughs> it was you. It's not me. <laughs> Now, it was technically Michael Pelka who convinced you. That was was actually his accusation. Well, unfortunately, uh, for the sake of this conversation, I I don't know anything about Scientology, so I can't contribute. So, you know, um, artificial intelligence is coming for basically a lot of our jobs. Not our jobs, because this show, the the Zioli show, has won for two years in a row now. We won our second Pennsylvania Association of Broadcasters Outstanding Afternoon talk show so that we, it's two years in a row we got a pab as they say a pab uh second year in a row so our jobs are fine however the list of white collar layoffs is growing because of artificial intelligence and a lot of this now is happening in sectors that people once thought were totally uh immune from this but ai is taking a reach into everything and there's a big middle management collapse now because ai can do a lot of those jobs too so let me ask you this question now as we, people are starting to annoy me walking around with these headsets. I know we talked about this last week. These Apple headset things, and they're walking around. The Vision Pros. The Vision Pro. Yeah, these people, are they living, I mean, th- 
I'm worried. I'm worried about the future. I'm worried about people are just going to stop talking to each other. You know what I mean? No, there's yeah. not enough conversations anymore. I, I agree. I, I think if the vision pros become what they're supposed to be, I think social interactions, actual like person to person, human to human contact, it's going to dwindle away to nothing. I mean, you think about it, like text messaging changed the way we communicate with one another. You probably don't make as many phone calls as you used to. You just send a text message. So uh, if the vision pros end up being as big as Apple believes they are, um, I would imagine that pretty much everyone's going to end up working from home and no one's going to be communicating with anyone in person, which is kind of depressing. See, my son likes to play Minecraft with his cousin. They play on the Nintendo Switch and they FaceTime each other so they can see each other which I'm glad they're doing. At, next week he has a sleepover planned with one of his buddies and you know my wife said well he's just going to be they're just going to be playing the Switch the whole time. I said yeah, but at least they'll be in person together. When I was a kid we would play Nintendo or whatever, but we would all hang out together and do it at somebody's house. And what I'm see I'm worried that it's going to get to a point now where people younger people will not know literally how to have a conversation with somebody. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the scenario that you just laid out, you're still playing video games. Or sorry, you're playing video games, but you're still socializing. It would be no different than if you had a bunch of people over to watch a football game. You're communicating with one another in person. But, um, yeah, to, to your point, that that's dwindling because now people just play virtually and communicate over a headset. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's what... That's what um, concerns me, is that they'll lose their ability to actually have human conversations. Uh, let me do my social media check-in by Cherry Hovavo. Kerry Nelson says, Rich, that Trump clip about NATO was cut off. He's telling a story, and at the end of the story, he said that the country's paid up right away when he said that to them. Yeah, I'm sorry, Kerry. That's that's true. I, I thought that was implied. But yeah, that's that's exactly right. They have to – they got to pay, and that's that. Uh, some – as it ZX, the controversial part is Trump encouraging Russia to attack. Trump did not encourage Russia to attack. That's media spin. Sorry about that. Uh, let's see. Um, Paul DiBartolo thinks Jenna Griswold might be artificial intelligence, but he says, I think not. Maybe artificial stupidity. It's <laughs> a good point. Good point. That check-in is brought to you by our friends Cherry Hill Vavo on Route 70 and Cherry Hill. Go see them today because relationships really do matter. Artificial stupidity. Yeah, if we have artificial intelligence, we probably do need artificial stupidity, don't you think? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Someone should work on that. Just a, just a dumbed-down version of AI? No, just make it stupid. Not even dumbed-down, just make it stupid. What would be the net benefit? I though? don't know. Just counteract. Feel better so about yourself? So people can keep their jobs? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Make, make a dumb dumb AI that, uh, yeah keeps the uh, the smart AI away from our jobs. Well, how about we have this? Um, if we get rid of artificial intelligence, we don't have to worry about headlines like this. This is an actual headline from the Washington Post. Ready? I'm going to share. I'm going to read this. Okay. Attacks in the metaverse are booming. Police are starting to pay attention. But a growing cohort of activists is urging police forces to grapple with sexual attacks in virtual reality. But prosecuting digital abuse could be tricky. Where avatars are touching each other's other avatars um, inappropriately. And by doing so, the physical body is responding. This is a pair. Let me read. I'll I'll read this to you. This is what I mean about the, the, the world is ending. And I think we just giant meteor come crash down now and end it. 
Though the attack took place in virtual reality, this woman was surprised to feel her heart racing in her chest. Three male figures surrounded her avatar in Horizon Venues. It's a virtual live events program created by Meta. They touched her avatar's boobies and pressed their torsos rhythmically against her, telling her that she wanted it. A fourth took photos of the incident in the app. My physical body was responding, said the woman. And she said, I was very uncomfortable. Fight or flight mode kicked in. As virtual reality programs are booming, so are reports of attacks, harassment, and sexual assaults. Some activists argue these incidents should be treated as serious, even criminal acts. And authorities are starting to pay attention. There's a grant from the United States Department of Justice called the Zero Abuse Project to hold workshops to explain the metaverse and its dangers to state and local police. How can these things be real if it's in the metaverse? If you're having an issue, don't you just unplug it? Yeah, like I, I always when I whenever I hear something like this, I always think back to a, a tweet that Tyler, the creator, sent out years ago, probably like 15 years ago, just saying, "How is cyberbullying real? Just close your eyes." Like in this at this point, just get yeah, sign off, go away, just log out. Yeah. Right. If you can't handle it, why would you continue to, you know, expose yourself to that? I, I don't get it. And, and by the way, there are a bunch of crimes that take place in virtual reality. People kill, uh, you know, avatars all the time, but you wouldn't suggest that the might individual, be part of a game. Yeah, the well, that's what go to Aya Gruber, Aya Gruber, no relation to Hans Gruber, I don't think, <laughs> a law professor at the University of Southern California said, he quote, he said, people kill each other all the time in video games, but we don't call them murderers. And he studied rape laws and he called jail a blunt tool for addressing online behavior. There is urging caution in declaring these real crimes. And others say the situation is urgent and demands immediate protocols. Now, I mean, we're dealing with kids. It's one thing, but um, you, you have you, you if, if an adult using an avatar goes to a 13-year-old kid and starts trying to make sexual advances at that kid, obviously that's a crime. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that's not. But I think what we're talking about here are, are adults and whether or not a guy goes up to a woman in virtual reality, and you know that guy's a nerd. I mean, he's sitting at home in his basement anyway, and he's probably never talked to a woman in his entire life, and he goes up there and starts harassing her. What, what do you want to happen? Like the cops to come in and break down his door and charge him with something? But this guy, John Bandler, he says, while victims might suffer profound emotional impacts, it's unlikely that law enforcement and courts will interpret these experiences similarly. Most legal definitions of rape require a physical sexual assault to have occurred in order for prosecutors to pursue a case. It's not a rape as defined by criminal law. It's, it's not an act in the physical world. So they're talking about making a new set of crimes here. Where if your avatar, that's, you know, when you put on these headsets and your little avatar goes in there, if your avatar goes up and starts harassing somebody, that you should in the physical world go to physical prison over that. I mean, that's insane. That's crazy. That's nuts is what that is. Yeah, that's stupid. It's also sort of insane to compare of something that happens in a video game to a woman that has actually experienced sexual assault in real life. Yeah, race rape is what we Goldberg were calling. These comparisons are, are just ludicrous. Completely ludicrous. And now we're going to have all kinds of new laws, another division of the Department of Justice, 
at another reason for the government to come in and kick your door down, basically. That's how I'm interpreting this. Also, I would imagine that if this is a problem and people aren't enjoying the experience because of these interactions, Meta has um, all the incentives they need to like somehow figure out a way to cut this out. I assume they'll fix the problem on their own. Otherwise, nobody's going to actually log in and play their stupid video game, right? I would think, yeah. I mean, if it's or maybe some people, and I, 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 I'm going to be choose my words carefully here, but maybe some people like the idea of having a side of themselves in their virtual world that's not in their real world. You know what I mean? Maybe they, maybe they like the idea of, of that, and they want to go there because they want to try to, you know, it's easier to be a dominatrix in the virtual world than the real world because you got to buy whips and all that stuff's expensive. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm not a video game expert. I rarely play, but aren't most games violent they're not most but a pretty substantial chunk of them popular yeah. ones yeah. yeah so that's it you'll you'll be charged with murder next basically it's just gonna be another way for people to go to prison i'm just looking at the prison industrial complex has to eat artificial intelligence is if it's going to turn criminals into the artificial world we'll just you know maybe build artificial jails for them or something all right uh listen i have uh, a lot more to get to including trump filing an emergency appeal before the united states supreme court the drums are out they want biden gone but how do they get him out of the race that's the question and then who would step in that's the other question but i want to tell you about my friends at cherry hill vavo because i'm so happy with our great partnership we have with cherry hill vavo on route 70 in cherry hill you got to go see them you'll love the treatment you get there and you're going to love the amazing incentives they have for you because that's the thing at cherry hill vavo it is about taking great care of you and making sure that you have the incentives to get you the absolute best deal on that beautiful vavo now here's a question for you what would you think about driving a beautiful s60 these are beautiful sedans they're courtesy vehicles with less than uh less than five thousand miles on them that's basically brand new as far as i can tell and they're less than $29,000. And these are beautifully, impeccably maintained cars. They use these S60 courtesy cars. You know, if somebody needs a loaner car or if they need to bring someone to the dealership, and you can you can have one for $29,000 with less than 5,000 miles on them. That's great. There's so many incentives available at Cherry Hill Volvo because they're doing a big renovation of their dealership, and they have to make room for all the construction equipment. Another reason you're going to love Cherry Hill Volvo is the fact that well, I was going to say another reason why you're going to love the S-Class is that all of the S-Class is made at their plant in South Carolina. That's right. So we're talking about American jobs and American-built cars. It's a beautiful thing. But whether it's the S-Class or whether it is a beautiful SUV nice and safe in all the winter roads with plenty of cargo room like the xc90 that bridget drives with that third row which is so incredibly helpful to get the kids around cherry hill vavo on route 70 in cherry hill will take great care of you judith yosef and the entire team would love to see you minutes over the bridge and and, and don't forget of all the vavo dealerships out there they're the ones that stand with us at talk radio 1210 wpht that's right talk radio 1210 wpht we broadcast live from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. That is the queen of Jordan, Rihanna. Uh, Donald Trump just uh, put out a statement on his Truth Social account. He's got this uh, sent over by his campaign a minute ago, actually. Uh, This is what he wrote. 
I made NATO strong, and even the rhinos and radical left Democrats admit that. When I told the 20 countries that weren't paying their fair share that they had to pay up and said without doing so, you will not have U.S. military protection, the money came rolling in. And so many years of the United States picking up the tab, it was a beautiful sight to see. But now, without me there to say, you must pay, they are at it again. We are into helping Ukraine for more than $100 billion more than NATO. We have nobody that they respect, and they insist on paying far less than, than we do. Wrong. NATO has to equalize, and now they will do that if properly asked. If not, America first. Make America great again, he just came out and said. He also issued an uh, emergency appeal to the Supreme Court. That happened as we got on the air today. But before I get to that... I started the show, we took a little bit of the press conference from the shooting at Joel Osteen's church. Uh, the, the shooter uh, is a biological woman and uses, I, I guess, male pronouns sometimes and sometimes dresses as a man, and I'm not sure, but transgender. And this clip from the police explaining how they had to go through the process of figuring out that the shooter is a woman is very confusing and tells you exactly why you listen to this and you go, I I mean, we have to make sure, I guess, we're politically correct and use the right pronouns because we wouldn't want to offend anybody here as we're talking about the shooter. Take a listen. So she has utilized both male and female names, but through all of our investigation to this point, talking with individuals, interviews, documents, Houston Police Department reports, she has been occupied identified this entire time as female, she, her, and so uh, we are identifying her as Genesee Moreno, Hispanic female. Thank God we got that right. Uh, Two lower courts have rejected Trump's immunity claim in which his lawyers asserted that exposing him to criminal trial would force future presidents to worry about prosecution for their official actions, hamstringing their resolve to take bold measures in the public interest. Former President Trump has become citizen Trump, the court said, with all the defenses of any other criminal defendant. That was a three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia. The panel gave Trump a Monday deadline to seek Supreme Court intervention, which he has done today. Trump's latest appeal comes in the federal case brought in August by special counsel Jack Smith, who accused the former president of engaging in a conspiracy to subvert the 2020 election results That culminated in the January 6, 2021 attack on the Capitol. I'm reading this from the Wall Street Journal. And I think that that is incredibly biased as they write that. But that is what, well, maybe I shouldn't say it's biased in how they write it. They, They really should make it clear that's the accusation that Jack Smith is arguing here in accusing the former president of engaging in a conspiracy to subvert the 2020 election results that culminated in the January 6, 2021 attack on the Capitol. It is one of four cases in which Trump is facing felony charges, including a separate federal case Smith filed in Florida, alleging the former president unlawfully kept and concealed sensitive government records after leaving office. Now, remember, Joe Biden did the same thing. But Joe Biden is not competent to stand trial. He's not mentally fit to stand trial, so no charges against Joe Biden. Because he's an elderly man who hides his own Easter eggs, therefore no charges against him. But since Trump is competent to stand trial, then charges against Trump. When actually, there's another point about this whole thing, and that has to do 
with the link between these classified documents and Ukraine and the timeline here. You see, as everybody's talking about the fact that they're not charging Biden because he's a, he's a he's an elderly man with a bad memory. What they're also covering up is the fact that these classified documents were very relevant during the time that Hunter Biden was doing business in Ukraine. Remember, we speculated on this. I think it was about a year ago. Hunter had a conversation with some of his cronies in Ukraine, and he gave them a a, a, a briefing on 21 points of Ukraine foreign policy that everyone concluded that a crackhead idiot like Hunter could never come up with on his own. Well, it's pretty much been confirmed now that that was part of the classified documents, that when Biden was preparing to go to Ukraine to meet with then-President Poroshenko, that they gave him this briefing, this security briefing. Hunter got access to that document and then used it to up his, his worth to his client, Ukraine. In addition to that, there was a briefing on Ukraine with energy. There was a briefing on Ukraine vis-a-vis Russia. And all these things were in the classified documents. And the timeline works in a way where Hunter Biden was on the board of Burisma, joins the board. These classified documents are there. Joe Biden goes to Ukraine and then talks about getting the prosecutor, Victor Shokin, fired. The timeline's right there. I mean, this is, this is a big cover-up. But like I told you, two things can be true at the same time. One, they're covering up for the fact that Joe Biden engaged in corruption. I think they're doing that on purpose because they want to use that as leverage to get him out of the race if they need to. But the second is by saying that he is an elderly man with a bad memory, they're confirming what everybody knows, which is, of course, that, yes, Joe Biden has lost his freaking mind. He's lost his marbles. He ain't playing with a full deck. You know it, and I know it. Back to the story here. Uh, Trump's latest gambit comes days after the Republican president frontrunner found a receptive audience at the Supreme Court on his appeal of a Colorado decision that struck him from the state's presidential ballot. The state's high court had ruled Trump ineligible under a constitutional provision forbidding individuals who engage in insurrection from holding public office. The Colorado court found the January 6th Capitol attack by a pro-Trump mob constituted an insurrection and that Trump had incited it during the Stop the Steal rally and through other actions. During oral arguments on Thursday, the justices appeared sympathetic to Trump's claim that states shouldn't be permitted to enforce the insurrection provision against presidential candidates without explicit authority from Congress. A decision in the Colorado appeal could come before the state's March 5th primary election, but success in that case would provide no benefit to Trump in the immunity appeal, which involves wholly different legal issues. The emergency filing today stems from an early December ruling in which a federal district judge rejected Trump's immunity claims, finding that his former office does not confer a lifelong get-out-of-jail-free pass. Judge Tanya Chutkin paused the proceedings in December, pending Trump's appeal of her ruling. And earlier this month, she called off the scheduled March 4th start of the former president's trial in light of this continuing legal challenge. You know, one point on this, too, which is that if you're going to have a trial, you have to get a jury and you have to make sure that that jury is unbiased and it's something that both sides have to agree on. It's not exactly an easy feat, especially in the District of Columbia, to find jurors who are actually going to be unbiased, who don't really know anything about this case, who don't really know who Donald Trump is. Well, everybody knows who Donald Trump is, obviously. So then you at least have to have jurors who have an open mind. Also not going to be easy. 
it's going to take some time. You know, I imagine there's going to be a lot of objections by the attorneys during that selection of the jurors. The Supreme Court has never been confronted, uh, has never before confronted a former president facing felony charges. But in past cases, presidents including Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton have found the Supreme Court skeptical of claims that the chief executive is categorically exempt from the legal process. Well, let's talk about Clinton for a second. I spent some time on this on Thursday. Clinton's issue came from a civil suit that happened prior to him becoming president filed by Paula Jones in Arkansas. And the question before the court was, in Clinton v. Jones, whether or not the president would have to address a civil suit that had nothing to do with his job, nothing to do with him being president, and happened before he even got into office. And the Supreme Court said he does. With Nixon, what we're talking about here was the issue of whether or not You know, Richard Nixon would have the ability to defy Congress when they wanted to get the the minutes of the of all the recordings from the White House and get the tapes, et cetera, et cetera. And the Supreme Court said, no, you know, under checks and balances and everything else, the the president of the United States has to comply with Congress in the course of their investigations. I think that was a perfectly reasonable thing as well. And then after Nixon left office, he lost his law license. Clinton left his, lost his law license too. That was something he agreed to. But neither one of them were charged criminally in criminal court. And that's an important point. Trump is the first who's facing criminal charges based on things he did as president of the United States. Now, perhaps Nixon would have. You know, maybe Nixon would have had Gerald Ford not pardoned him. But when President Ford pardoned Richard Nixon to end our long national nightmare, that was off the table. Perhaps Nixon would have been charged and perhaps the Supreme Court would have wrestled with that question then. Who knows? We don't know because obviously that pardon from Ford was absolute for any and all crimes Richard Nixon may have committed against the United States of America. You know, you don't have to be guilty to get a pardon. That is one of those misnomers. You don't have to be found guilty, I should say. Well, in office, Trump, too, was rebuffed on immunity claims. In 2020, a 7-2 court rejected the argument that as president, he could block a New York prosecutor from obtaining Trump's financial records from an accounting firm. Well, yeah, the Supreme Court's argument there was that, again, this was related to his business before he leaves office. At the time, Trump's lawyers said in legal papers that once he leaves office, the president may be subjected to criminal processes, but not before then. Well, look, that's also an important point, too, and a different matter entirely, which is this. And that is when the Justice Department put out a memo back in the late 90s regarding Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky, the Justice Department concluded that a president in office could not face criminal charges while he was in office. That that's why there's the impeachment clause. The impeachment clause of the Constitution exists for that reason. But once the president leaves office, he can certainly be subject to criminal charges. But what was never decided was if it was related to his presidency. The assumption at the time was no. The assumption was it would not be related to his presidency because how could you criminally prosecute a president for presidential actions? That's why this particular case is so wholly unique. This is not a question of whether or not you know, Donald Trump did a sexual act with a woman before he became president. 
It's not about his business dealings before he became president. It's about none of those things. And the question of whether criminal charges can be filed against a president while he's in office has been something that the Justice Department has resolved and said, no, it can't. But that was also the understanding that it had nothing to do with his job. Because that's if it had something to do with his job, you'd also have Congress there for that. And Congress would take care of that when it comes to high crimes, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. So now you have the president leave office. Congress had acquitted Trump of the January 6th riot. And now they're trying to criminally charge him for actions that he undertook as president. His belief being that the actions that I took were part of my official duties. The argument from the special counsel, Jack Smith, of course, is that no, they were not. They were outside of the scope of your job as president. Now, that is something the Supreme Court of the United States is absolutely going to have to resolve. Because, again, how do you make the distinction between something that is the presidency and something that is him acting in, in, in his own personal conduct? Secondly, if you're going to make a distinction on those two things going forward, then does that mean then that, say, Congress can't impeach a president for doing something that is unrelated to his office? I would say no. But these are all the questions the court has to weigh. Like, let's say, for example, a, 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 a president blatantly breaks the law when it comes to, I mean, everybody keeps bringing up murder and all this other stuff. What if it's just about campaign finance laws? You know, as a, as a, as a candidate, he breaks the law, breaks campaign finance laws, steals money, whatever, embezzles money. I would think Congress can handle that in the impeachment clause. I think everybody would agree with that. But I would also argue that when he leaves office, those things are not presidential actions. So then those actions could be, you could go after a president for that. But I don't think you can go after a president for, say, using the military to kill American citizens on foreign soil with drone strikes. Because whether you agree with Barack Obama's decision to do it or not, he did it in his capacity as president. It'll be a very interesting oral argument when it happens. I assume the Supreme Court's going to take this case. Because to just rule the way the district court did... You're just asking for the Supreme Court to have to hear this. You're, you're, you're asking for the Supreme Court to have to take this up and then make it a, a distinction between when a president is acting as president and when he's not. And Trump's argument was, look, as president, I took care that I, I had took an oath to take care that the law is faithfully executed. And in doing so, I had to make sure that there was not election fraud, that there was the, there was there was not they were not stealing the election. It's my job. And I had a and I had a rally and presidents have rallies and presidents tell Congress what to do. And president, I mean, tell people to tell Congress what to do. And presidents try to persuade Congress and all those things, I would argue, would fall under the purview of the presidency. You can disagree with them, but I would still say they're within the actions as president. No different than if a president stands up there and says, march down to Congress and tell them to take away gas stoves. But anyway. I imagine the court will take this up in due time. The question is, will Trump be running against Joe Biden? That is the question. We will tackle that. And what did Senator J.D. Vance mean by the poison pill that could lead to Trump's impeachment in a second term? I'll tell you about that as well in our fourth and final hour. But listen, Emmons Roofing and Siding, my great friends at Emmons, they've done so much work for me over the years, including kitchen and bathroom remodeling. How about a bathroom remodel in a day? One day, bathroom remodeling. You can trust the team at Emmons. They are truly your one-stop shop for all of your home improvement needs. 
And if you've got a shore house, get that roof inspected now because minor, minor problems can lead to very costly repairs when the warm weather hits. Emmons will give you a free inspection. They'll never tell you you need a new roof if you don't, but if you do, you're going to get a lifetime warranty on that roof. Windows, doors, siding, roofing, solar, and bathroom and kitchen remodeling. Emmons does it all. And you can trust them because Matt and Stephanie are dedicated to honesty and great customer service. So trust the team that I've used in my home for over six years, both of our homes. That's Emmons. You can visit their design showroom in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, or go to EmmonsRoofing.com. EmmonsRoofing.com. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. It's not going to be Michelle Obama, okay? It's definitely not going to be Michelle Obama because they're telling us it won't be Michelle Obama and there's no way it'll be Michelle Obama. So they tell us. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. Our fourth and final hour, 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thank you for being here today. Monday after the Super Bowl. Never an easy day for any of us, but here we are. So I woke up today, I got a text from my buddy Susie Cool on Twitter who said, uh, it was a, uh, David Axelrod was on some reconnaissance show on Saturday, and he said, there's no way it's going to be Michelle Obama. No chance, no how. This was an interesting weekend because, you know, that, that survey came out, 89% of Americans think Biden's too old. That liberal New York Times reporter just shredded Joe Biden over the weekend. And everybody's talking about the same thing, which is, you know, this guy can't win. But they tell us it's not going to be Michelle Obama. They're, they're stuck, though, right? I mean, they're, they're stuck. they got a problem. Problem number one is Kamala Harris is a terrible candidate. So they can't just, they can't just you know, it's, they can't just push her aside. She's the first black woman vice president. They replaced her with white dude Gavin Newsom. That's a problem because then you know they're going to be upset. Uh, so what do you do? Well, one thing is you get cranky Sotomayor off the Supreme Court. You say Ruth Bader Ginsburg should be your inspiration and you should retire now while we still have a Democrat in the White House. They put Kamala Harris on the court. And, uh, you know, there you go. And now you've now you've opened up the ability to make a swap. But then who do you swap with? Now, look, I'm not predicting it's going to be Michelle Obama. All I'm telling you is if it is going to be Michelle Obama, they're not going to tell us until the convention. Here's what I mean. Here's what Axelrod said over the weekend. And just ask yourself this. Would you expect him to say anything differently when Smirconish asked asked him about it? Well, here's what I know. Uh, Michelle Obama Obama loves this country. She's she's a a brilliant person and a brilliant communicator. But she was a conscript to politics. She never was interested in a political life. Even when uh, uh, Barack Obama was a young politician, uh, she really didn't participate much uh, in his campaigns. I I was with him in his Senate campaign in 2004. I think she showed up twice uh, in the whole campaign uh, on election nights. So, uh, you know, she uh, she is not someone who likes politics. She doesn't like the tone and tenor of politics. Uh, And I would be floored if she would 
consent to that. They feel that they gave 10 years of their life to this. And I'm sure she feels as uh, Barbara Bush did when she said there has to be someone other than the Bushes and the Clintons who could be president of the United States. My guess is that's her attitude. I always say, Michael, that I have as much chance of dancing in the Bolshoi Ballet next year than uh, than that she would be president of the United States. Uh, and so if you see me running around at the end of the year in a leotard, you'll know what happened. <laughs> it's very funny. Very funny. What do you expect a guy to say? Yes, we definitely want to swap her out for uh, swap him out for Michelle Obama, but we want to let you know now in February, so you have plenty of time to prepare for it. Of course, they're not going to do that, and the uh, the re- part of the reason is because, and James Carville explains this also on Smirconish is how this would work. Look, if you dump Biden at the convention, if you wind up doing that, if you dump Biden at the convention, like a lot of people think they're going to do, like Bill Maher's asking for, if you do these things, then understand something then. Bill Moore said the following, he said, I see myself as a bridge. I read that as one term. Is it too late? I don't think it is because I still think you can do it at the convention. No one gives an F what you do at the convention. They'd be thrilled if you did it the day before the election. So the problem is if you do it too soon, number one, they start the attacks. But number two, a lot of other people come out of the woodwork and want, want to be the pick. And this is exactly what I mean. Here's Carvel explaining how that would work. And this proves my point. If they are going to make a swap, they're going to do it as a last minute dirty trick, just like they did in Jersey many years ago. And they switched out Robert Torricelli for Frank Lautenberg when he was going to get indicted and lose the U.S. Senate race. Take a listen. Well, I mean, in a sense, it's, it's never too late. If you had a, a nominee and nominee dropped dead and last week of October, you'd have you know, some mechanism to have a replacement. Uh, it's pretty, it'd be late to do it without a lot of chaos. And, but yeah, you, you could, you could have one. Lyndon Johnson dropped out in, in March of 1968. We had a nominee. So it, it's never too late, but the later it gets, the more confusing the process gets. And then you get into some DNC picking candidates or Bingo. state party chairs. Bingo. Uh, there's a person called Elaine Cormack who knows more about this than anybody, anyone in the world. She's written books on it. And I'm kind of surprised she hadn't been interviewed yet because she had massive information on what happens by what date. Okay, so from the sidelines and with your great institutional and political knowledge, what do you see going on here? Well, the president is old. The public knows he's old, and he is old. It's just there's no... There's no convincing one way or the other. I also know this. It is written in marble in Washington, D.C., that there shall be no Democratic special counsels or independent prosecutors. The professional center will not allow that. So bottom line is this. I mean, they know Biden needs to go. They know he needs to go. And of course, they're all going to come out there and say he's not going anywhere. They're not going to say anything different from that. Please. Biden's campaign co-chair was on with um, Meet the Press over the weekend, and he said the idea that Biden is unfit for office is a bucket of BS that's so deep your boots will get stuck in it. Come on. What do you expect these people to say other than that? That's all they're going to say. They, they, they can't come out and say anything different than that. They can't come out and they can't they can't come out and turn around and say, you know what? No, listen, listen, we should we should we should definitely, definitely replace Joe Biden. 
They're going to tell you that he is fit to serve and he will serve until the moment comes when they make the switch because of his health or his whatever or whatever it is. And then at that moment, everybody's going to act like, well, you know what? I mean, oh, my gosh, I just I can't believe it. I can't believe it. We didn't see this coming. We'll act like that. Well, we'll all act like we didn't see this coming. I mean, the Democrats will. And if they if they manage to get Michelle Obama and look, I mean, Obama's running the place anyway. I had a buddy of mine tell me recently he's got friends in the Secret Service who say Barack Obama's in the West Wing all the time. Does anybody really think Joe Biden's running the country? No, the Bidens are running. The, the Obama's running the country. So all you got to do is tell her she'll be the president in name only. Barack Obama can't get elected to another term because he's term limited. So she just she gets the nod. He runs the show. She can go out there and you know, be, you know, be the face of politics. I get it. She hates it. But at the same time, though, these people are obsessed with power. They're obsessed with power. And she did that podcast recently and said, what's keeping you up at night? She said, the death of democracy. She didn't say my tulips. She didn't say what's keeping me up at night is my uh, carbs. I got to cut carbs out. What's keeping me up at night is, is, uh, is pasteurized palm oil. She said, what's keeping me up at night is the state of our democracy, that Trump may win and destroy America. That's what she said. So again, I'm not, I'm not making a prediction here that it's going to be Michelle Obama. I'm just telling you that if it is, they're not going to run out and go, yeah, you know what? Definitely. We are definitely thinking about making that swap. Oh, 100%. We're just waiting for the moment that the old geezer croaks. But they're so angry. You know, they're so angry about the special counsel who came out and said that Biden's a you know, senile old man who can't remember anything, and that's why we can't charge him. Only Donald Trump is competent enough to stand trial. Here's a uh, lefty journalist named Molly Jong Fast slamming the special counsel. They're all furious at this guy for saying the truth, which is that Joe Biden's an elderly old man who's lost his freaking marbles. Um, so I think that's a really interesting point that I hadn't heard, and I do agree that... It is important to like norms are important, right? The reason we're so far along here is because norms have not been followed. I would say I don't think that her is a good faith actor. And I think that 345 pages of that show that I mean, he's not a neurologist, right? If you want to weigh in on legal things, that's Mm -hmm. fine. But, you know, the idea and again, to fault someone for saying they don't remember during a deposition when we've seen people like Dr. Anthony Fauci say that hundreds of times during a deposition. That's what you're supposed to say if you don't remember, because you don't want to be wrong. And so I do think he sort of picked up things that are tactically tactics that people use and went and sort of was drew uh, conclusions that were not his conclusions to draw. Were not his conclusions to draw. Right. They were not his conclusions to draw because he's not a neurologist. Uh Uh-huh. So then you get to what was written over the weekend in the New York Times, the far right wing New York Times by Maureen Dowd, Maureen Dowd, who hates Donald Trump's guts. She's terrified that Trump's going to win and she knows Biden's going to lose. And she said, Mr. President, ditch the stealth about the health. She said, once when my father was in West Virginia on police business, a man approached him and demanded to know about rumors that President Franklin Roosevelt was crippled. The man threatened to beat up my father or anyone who said FDR was in a wheelchair. My dad, a D.C. police detective, served on FDR's protective detail. I have a picture of my father in a fedora guarding Roosevelt at a senator's baseball game with the president standing up there with the help of his braces to throw out the first pitch. 
This, is before, this might have been before he put the Japanese, German, and Italian-Americans in, in camps. I added that part. She didn't. Like others around Roosevelt, my dad kept a, kept a tight lip about the paralysis of the president, who did not want to seem weak. Dad assured the West Virginian ruffian that Roosevelt was a fine athletic man. In the days before TV and social media, the White House could suppress the fact that Roosevelt, who contracted polio when he was 39, could barely walk. With with the help of a complicit press corps, censoring Secret Service, and a variety of ruses, FDR was even able to campaign giving the impression that he was mobile. Well, Roosevelt lied about a million other things, so why why not lie about that? But I added that part, too. But stealth about health is no longer possible, and the sooner President Biden's team stops being in denial about that, the better off Democrats will be. Jill Biden and his other advisors come up with ways to obscure signs of sentience, from shorter news conferences to zero-print interviews to TV interviews, mainly with fawning MSNBC anchors. But many Americans are quite concerned about the 81-year-old president's Brain, it's the elephant in the room, except the elephants never forget. Biden is running against a bad man, but that's not enough. He has to acknowledge to himself that his moments are faltering, which will increase over the next five years, and they are a big weakness. He and his aides have to figure out how to handle that bad man, Donald Trump, who makes his own verbal slips and shows signs of aging, but he conveys more energy. When the president rushed out Thursday night to show he was composed, rebutting what special counsel Robert Hur said, he was peevish about with the media and blamed his staff for mishandling classified documents. Petulance is never a good look, she says. Biden should have taken a breath. When the CNN White House correspondent MJ Lee asked about age concerns, Biden snapped, that is your judgment, that is your judgment. But 71% of battleground state voters in one of the New York Times polls said Biden is too old to be an effective president. Pushing back at the image of a crotchety grandpa, I came across like a crotchety grandpa. I'm well-meaning and I'm an elderly man and I know what the hell I'm doing, he barked. It reminded me of the days when President Bill Clinton kept insisting he was still relevant, declaiming that you know what you're doing doesn't instill confidence. Asked why he insists he's the only Democrat who can defeat Trump, Biden shot back, because I'm the most qualified person in this country to be president of the United States and finish the job I started. Maureen Dowd for the New York Times writes, that sounds disturbingly like Donald Trump claiming I alone can fix it. Just when Biden was getting some breaks, the economy was better. Trump was still horrible. And the Republicans in Congress were steeped in directitude. Her took a whack out of the blue, leaving the impression that Biden shouldn't have his finger on the button. He said he wouldn't bring charges because a jury would forgive Biden as a nice, forgetful old man. It was a mistake. For Merrick Garland to make a Trump appointee, the special counsel for Biden... Oh, please. It's not a Trump appointee. The the senators of the state pick the U.S. attorneys. You know that. Everybody knows that. You're smart enough to know that, too, Maureen. Dad, come on. Like James Comey, Garland is a man so in love with his own virtue that he bends over backwards to show it off. Blah, blah, blah. Still, the report was a fire alarm blaring in the Capitol because, fair or not, was it a fire alarm that was pulled by that congressman in New York? Out of curiosity? Was it, was it, did he pull the alarm or was it a real alarm? Oh, it was a real alarm. It was a real fire alarm blaring in the Capitol. The report saying Biden was a demented old man? Yeah, no, that's a real report. That's a real fire alarm. Not like the one Jamal Bowman pulled. That was a Fugazi fire alarm. This is a real fire alarm. Biden refused to take the one-term bow out and make room for new blood. So now he has to go to war with Trump and stop him from getting back into the Oval for his grotesque revenge rampage. See, they're terrified. They're so terrified of Trump getting back in there for that reason. 
But in a world on fire, she writes, with the Republicans in Congress spiraling into farce, the Biden crew clearly has no plan for how to deal with the president's age except to shield him and hide him and browbeat reporters who point out that his mental state, like the delusional Trump's, is a genuine issue. Biden is not just in a bubble, he's in bubble wrap, cosseting and closeting Uncle Joe all the way to the end. Skipping town halls and the Super Bowl interview are just not going to work. Going on defense when Trump is on offense is not going to work. Counting on Trump's vileness to secure the win, as Hillary did, is not going to work. Democrats should grab their smelling salts for a long case of the vapors. It's going to be a most virulent, violent year. Now, you know, if you think about it, what Maureen Dowd says there is what everybody's thinking. And it's the reason why everybody understands that they have to swap this guy out. And they're going to. I mean, they're going. I've been telling you this for how long now? He's not going to be the candidate. He's not going to be the candidate. He's just not. He's not going to be the candidate of the United States. He can't be. I mean, come on. He can't be. Even when Corrine Jean-Pierre is asked about it. Taking that kind of Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House fembot, asked about it. And I talked about this last week, too, on, on I believe, whenever, on Friday. Uh, I have known this president since 2009. Mm. Uh, I, he is not just uh, my, my boss. But, you know, he's also some, a mentor to me. And I spent sometimes countless hours with him, whether it's in the Oval Office, uh, whether it's on the road. And I believe, for me, you're asking me my personal opinion, uh, he is sharp. Uh, he is on top of things. He, when we have uh, meetings with him, with his staff, he's constantly pushing us, getting, trying to get more information. And so that has been my experience with this president. Uh, anything else outside of that, uh, I just shared with you what Dr. O'Connor said to me. Uh, and so I'll just leave it there. I'll just leave it there. I'll just leave it there. You know what? We're not going to do a cognitive test. It's not going to happen. We'll just leave it there. Okay? We'll leave it right there. Oh, man, it's bad. It's really bad. It's so bad. And I just, I, 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 you know, you know what, what, what's the strategy? What's the strategy to change the perception of Biden's diminish mental capacity, his diminished mental ABC acuity? Ipsos poll shows that 86% of Americans Biden is too old to serve another term. That is a higher percentage than what we found in a previous poll in September. So clearly polling shows this is a persistent issue. What is the White House strategy to try and change that perception? So look, we're going to continue to lead on leadership, right? We're going to continue to focus on what this president has been able to get done, uh, what the president has been able to get done uh, on behalf of the of the American people. Uh, and look, I'll quote a little bit of uh, what the First Lady said, uh, I think incredibly well, just a couple days ago. Uh, President Biden does more in one hour than most people do in a day. Boom! His age with experience and expertise is an incredible asset, and he proves it every day. And well, he does more in one hour than most people do in a day. He, he manages to wash his dentures, eat a, eat a can of Jello, uh, have lunch with Churchill, play chess with Truman, and uh, also uh, hang out a little bit with Margaret Thatcher. So, I mean, he's got a lot. He's got a lot. He's doing a lot of things. A lot of things he's doing. He's a very, very busy man. Coming up, John Kirby says we have nothing to say regarding the president's use of TikTok over the weekend. This is major gaslighting, as they say. And they also, we have no idea if when Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin went into the hospital, if the White House even knew about it. It's truly the produce section running our country. We'll be right back. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. 
Biden campaign goes on TikTok, even though there's major national security implications and government officials are not allowed to use it because of Chinese spying. But hey, don't worry about it. It's all good. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 is the number if you want to weigh in. So over the weekend, yesterday before the Super Bowl, a very, very comatose looking Joe Biden stared into the camera and was asked a series of questions. They're now calling, you know, they're doing the dark Brandon thing with his laser eyes and everything. It's creepy, man. It's creepy. They have a picture of him with red blazing eyes. And they they do this whole thing about this whole thing about how, you know, he's dark Brandon and fighting back. Anyway, uh, this is this is a a Biden's TikTok video where he's asked a couple questions here. Take a listen. Two great quarterbacks. Hard to decide. But if I didn't say I was for the Eagles and I'd be sleeping alone, my wife's a Philly girl. Game or commercials? Game. Game or halftime show? Game. Jason Kelsey or Travis Kelsey? Mama Kelsey. I understand she makes great chocolate chip cookies. Deviously plotting to rig the season so the Chiefs would make the Super Bowl or the Chiefs just being a good football team? You get in trouble if I told you. Trump or Biden? Are you kidding? And then they put the dark Brandon eyes there, you know, like to say that anyone who said that it was a uh, the Super Bowl was rigged was, you know, okay. this is what they do. They, it's, 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 they, they try to make everybody uh, think they're crazy. It's gaslighting is what it is. It's called gaslighting. It's an intentional thing that they do. They try to make you think that you're a crazy person. And they, and they do they do this all. They do this constantly. They do this. So Kirby was asked a question, you know, I mean, what about the fact that the campaign went on, went on uh, TikTok? Isn't that just like a national security implication, Mr. Kirby? This is what he said. And on another question, if I may, what, what does, what, why did the president allow his campaign, the president, uh, allow his campaign to go on TikTok despite the national uh, security review of the platform? I'd have to refer you to the campaign. But I mean, it's still the president of the United States. He's still sending, the president is sending a message to Americans about the Nash, about the safety of TikTok by doing this. I'd have to refer you to the campaign on that decision. Thanks. I, you, the, well, you know, it's, I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't, I, we, we can't answer. What about, okay, okay, I got, I got one, I got one, I got, I got a good one for Kirby. When the defense secretary went into the hospital, did, um, did the president, did we know anything about that? Did we, did, did we know anything about the defense secretary, Lloyd Austin, again, Again, being hospitalized. Did, did we know about that? Because that's, that's a question I have, don't you? I mean, if the defense secretary, once again, is taken out, did they, did they talk? The president of the United States and the defense secretary? Kind of an important thing, don't you think? The president spoken to Secretary Austin since he was hospitalized. I'm not aware of any conversation between the two of them since, uh, since this just happened yesterday. Does the president have any concerns that with his medical problems, the secretary can no longer serve? Not at all. No, what, 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 again, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? He's going to say not at all. Of course he's going to say not at all. That's all they do. That's all they do is say not at all. Oh, man. You know, I, I, it, it's kind of fr- frustrating and, and tire- tiring to me anyway. I don't know about you, but it's tiring to me to think about how we are constantly, constantly lied to by people. In the, in the establishment, the corporate media, I mean, all these people, they're just, they're just freaking liars. And you, you and I both know that if a, a, a president who's not senile and the defense secretary went in the hospital, they would talk. They would absolutely talk. According to Bill Belugin, the brutal article from Axios, how Biden botched the border, he exploded with rage at his team aboard Air Force One on the way to the border last year. Susan Rice called HHS Secretary Xavier Becerra a B, but like B, anyway, uh, an idiot. 
VP Harris's team made it clear her responsibilities began and ended with root causes in just the three northern triangle counties with Mexico. Mayorkas disagreed with Biden's 100-day halt in deportations. Homeland Security Advisor Liz Sherwood Randall displayed an experience, asked for a memo explaining the difference between refugees and asylum seekers. Biden administration has listened to vocal immigration advocates outside the administration. Vocal immigration advocates. You know, the open borders lunatics, obviously. Publicly, the White House also initially downplayed jumps in illegal border crossings as normal ebbs and flow, even as some internally pushed to acknowledge that the problem was significant. By the way, this is the big story of the day today. It's brought to you my buddy, by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Go see him today for your perfect smile. You deserve a beautiful smile, and Dr. Mike will give it to you. You know, about Biden's dementia, I mentioned, I meant to mention you. Uh, Johnny Cook had a tweet earlier today. He said, everybody's known Biden has had dementia since before 2020. Why is it a headline now? Why is it that every election season we are suddenly invaded by immigrants and it becomes the top of every newscast? Honestly, I'd like to know. I don't think they are winning issues. Um, I disagree. I, I think, well, first of all, it's two things. Number one, if, if Biden was beating Trump, you wouldn't hear about the dementia. You wouldn't hear about the dementia that's going on. If, if, if Biden was beating him, the dementia thing would not be a story. The only reason why it's a story is because he's losing to, to, to Trump. And so now it's an issue because they want to, they got to get the guy out of there. They're trying to get they, they're trying to get him out. I mean, I, I, I don't know what else to, to tell you beyond that. They're trying to take him out of the race because they know he's going to lose to Trump and they're terrified of what Trump's going to do. Terrified. So obviously that's why the dementia thing is an issue. Do I think the American people think about it and worry about it? Maybe not as much as you and I, but I think at this point, the only reason it, it's just a, a nonstop issue, a nonstop issue, and is because of the fact that Biden is losing so badly. So please, you know, don't don't tell me that the professional political class in Washington is going to just sit back and let Trump win. No way are they going to sit back and let Trump win. They're just not going to do it. They can't do it. There's too much at stake for them. They're terrified. They're terrified because of the revenge tour. I mean, it's just like what um, what she wrote there in in uh, Maureen Dowd. They're worried about Trump's revenge tour. But even though over the weekend with the defense secretary in the hospital and the president not talking to him on the phone, he did have time to put a glazed over, drugged up, nonsensical Super Bowl script going on about his own failed economy. Listen to this. The Super Bowl Sunday. If you're anything like me, you like to be surrounded by a snack or two while watching the big game. You know, when buying snacks for the game, you might have noticed one thing. Sports drinks bottles are smaller. A bag of chips has fewer chips, but they're still charging it just as much. And as an ice cream lover, what makes me the most angry is that ice cream cartons have actually shrunk in size. This is your economy. He's going on there to talk about his economy. Because you know why? He's trying to, again, to deflect people and say the reason why you're dealing with shrinkflation, the reason why is because of the greedy grocery stores. Greedy grocery stores are doing this just to screw you. But not in price. I've had enough of what they call shrinkflation. It's a ripoff. Some companies are trying to pull a fast one by shrinking the products little by little and hoping you won't notice. Give me a break. The American public is tired of being played for suckers. I'm calling on companies to put a stop to this. Let's make sure businesses do the right thing now. Businesses are dealing with inflation because of your economy. People know that. But again, you know, listen, I mean, it, if you if you understand that, you know, they're going to continue to try to 
But that was 48 seconds. That's the best he can do. He can't do a sit-down interview. 48 seconds. That's the best Biden can do. 48 seconds. So, yeah, look, I mean, I, I, I have no doubts. There's no doubt in my mind, no doubt in my mind, that the reason why you're hearing more about dementia, the reason why the special counsel put that in there, is because they know that it's, it's, it's going to be something that Biden can't, he can't, he can't win. If he could win, then it'd be fine. They wouldn't, they, no one would care. They knew he had dementia in 2020, but they were able to hide him because of COVID. They can't hide him anymore. And they also figured because of COVID, they could do whatever they had to do with mail-in ballots to make sure that Biden crossed the finish line. They can't do that anymore either. The other thing, too, that I think is very important to note, and this is uh, something that I think gets lost on a lot of people, too, is that there are a lot of people who don't like Joe Biden. You know, I, I know I know it seems like it's 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 a situation where everybody thinks that he's just a great guy and everybody loves him. And everybody thinks he's wonderful and blah, blah, blah. You know, what I mean, no, there are a lot of people who think he's an a-hole and thinks think he has to go. They, they think he has to go because they know that he is a nasty man who's going to lose and that if you were to actually let him go out there, he would make it work for, worse for himself. He would destroy himself. So I, 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 I see how this is playing out. Biden is not going to debate Trump. There's no way that's going to happen. Again, on Michael Smirconish's show Sunday over the weekend, Saturday over the weekend, excuse me, um, he made this point, and I think the raging Cajun is, is, is right on this point. Biden can't. He can't do it. That's the bottom line. It's not even a question. He can't debate him. What would you Don't accept the Super Bowl interview. You, you're about to know pulling averages. You're three points down in a two-way uh, it's the biggest television audience, not even close. And you get a chance to do a 20, 25 minute interview on that day and you don't do it. That's the kind of sign that the staff or yourself doesn't have much confidence in you. There's no other way to read this. And he's not going to do debates. He is old. I, I, I I know what it is because I'm almost as old as he is. And it's never going to get better. You're never, you know. It's never going to get better. It's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. I mean, what's he going to be like in October? Just think about that. What's he going to be like in October? And all the yelling at the press is not going to do a thing. It's not going to change anything. It's not going to change anything. And the big problem, the real problem here, is that they are so worried about Trump because of the war in Ukraine. The war in Ukraine is everything to these people, the military-industrial complex and everybody else. I'm proving my point. Senator Amy Klobuchar, over the weekend, we have no choice. We have to keep giving money to Ukraine, and they know Trump will stop it. Let's assume that you can get this through the Senate, that the leadership is firm and that they're not going to waver. But how damaging is it to have failure in the House? Is there any prospect... That I there think can be a discharge petition or some way to get it onto the House floor past the Speaker. I was just in the Republican cloakroom before I came over here, uh, and I talked to a number of the Republicans. I continue to believe that there we wouldn't be doing this to this extent night after night after night if we didn't think there was some path. We don't have a choice but to stand up 
uh, for Ukraine and stand with democracies for our own country's security and for the world's security. And um, I have not counted that out at all. That has to happen. They have to find a way to get to. Yes, we know their most extreme um, people are not going to be supporting it. Uh, but there's a whole lot of people on the Democratic side and on the Republican side that have been very strong about this national security package, not to mention what it means in other parts of the world as well. See, you see what I mean? It's all about Ukraine. That's why J.D. Vance is giving out the absolute, absolute warning about what is in this bill and why it has to be stopped. I'll share that with you as the elderly man with a poor memory is not long for this political world. Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Well, we know a lot more about the shooter in uh, Texas, the megachurch shooting Joel Olstein's church after the police had a briefing today. It was an LGBTQ shooter, migrant from El Salvador, with a long criminal history dating back to 2005. A Bernie Sanders supporter had a Free Palestine sticker on the gun and identified as transgender. Oh, as you can imagine, the story is going to disappear very, very fast. Very fast, because it doesn't fit the narrative. Now, uh, Tom Massey pointed out a great point. Uh, the lips of TikTok pointed out the Colorado shooter, Colorado Springs shooter was uh, non-binary. The Nashville school shooter, transgender. Aberdeen shooter, transgender. Denver school shooter, transgender. Iowa school shooter, transgender fluid. Lakewood church shooter, trans. And the question that he asks is, we should be able to know which government approved slash license slash sanctioned drugs were they using at the time. It's a great point. It's a very, very good point. How these drugs influence people and how these drugs affect people's minds. Very sad situation. Heartbreaking, heartbreaking, heartbreaking situation. But, you know, like anything else, if it doesn't fit the narrative, it will go away very, very quickly. And... You won't hear anything about it. You just, you won't hear anything about it. It doesn't fit the narrative. Uh, Tucker Carlson's gotten a lot of blowback from his interview of Vladimir Putin. And he, uh, he pushed back, blasting the propaganda media for their criticism of him after his interview of Vladimir Putin. Says he only cares what God and his family thinks of him. It's amazing, isn't it, too? You sit down with a world leader, you interview him, and the blowback you get over that. I don't, it's amazing to think about, but this is what Tucker said. Take a listen. And I, and I just felt that my job, if I have a job in this world, it's to bring information to people so they can decide. And so I wanted to do the longest interview I could with Vladimir Putin that contained the most amount of Vladimir Putin talking, not me grandstanding about what a great person I am. When an American journalist interviews someone like Vladimir Putin, the whole point of the interview is to say, I'm a good person and you're not. And that interview was aimed at his colleagues in the newsrooms in the United States. I'm a good person. Why are you such a bad person? You're committing genocide. Okay. That's not fruitful, and that's certainly not my role. I care what God thinks of me, what my wife thinks of me, and what my four children think of me, and that's all I care about. So I don't need to prove that I'm a good person. I want to hear Vladimir Putin talk so people in my country can assess what's happening. Uh, uh, that's I'll, it. I'll, I'll, I'll use the devil's advocate. But advocate uh, away. Yes. Okay. I'll tell you. You, you should challenge in, in, in the rules of an interview, and you're a master in, in, your, in your business. Uh, it's not for me to give you a lecture about that, but you should challenge some ideas. For instance, uh, 
you, you, you didn't talk about freedom of speech in, in Russia. You did not talk <laughs> about Navalny, about assassinations, about about the restrictions on uh, opposition in the coming uh, elections. I didn't talk about the things that every other American media outlet talks about. Why? Yes, this because is my those question. are covered, and because I have spent my life talking to people who run countries in various countries and have mm. concluded the following, that every leader kills people, including my leader. Every leader kills people. Some kill more than others. Leadership requires killing people. Sorry. That's why I wouldn't want to be a leader. Um, that press restriction is universal in the United States. I know because I've lived it. I've you know, asked my former, you know, I, I've had a lot of jobs. Um, and I've done this for 34 years, and I know how it works. And um, there's more censorship in Russia than there is in the United States, but there's a great deal in the United States. And so, you know, at a certain point, it's like people can decide whether they think, you know, what, what countries they think are better, what systems they think Sir, are better. I, I, I just I, want to know what he thinks. That was the whole point. Yeah. He also uh, said, you know, I've been trying to get this interview for years, but uh, the United States government prevented me by spying on my messages and leaking them to the New York Times, which is, of course, a very, very bold, bold allegation by Tucker Carlson here. Take a listen to what he said here. The, I'll, I'll start in reverse order. Why now? Well, I've been trying for three years to do this interview. Um, the U.S. government prevented me from doing it by spying on my text messages and leaking them to the New York Times. And that spooked the Russian government into canceling the interview. So I've been trying to do this, but my country's intel services were working against me illegally. And that enraged me because I'm an American citizen. I'm 54. I pay my taxes. I obey the law. And there was no expectation in the America that I grew up in that my government and its intel services, NSA and CIA, which were always outwardly focused on our foreign enemies, would be turned inward against American citizens. And I'm shocked by that. And I'm infuriated by that. And so once I discovered that that was happening, and I confirmed it was happening, and they admitted that they did it, then I was totally determined, monomaniacally dedicated to doing this interview, not simply because I want to know uh, what Vladimir Putin is like and what he thinks about a war that is resetting the world and really gravely damaging my country's economy, but also because they told me I couldn't on the basis of illegitimate means um, and for no really clearly stated justification. And I thought, that can't stand. I, don't, I want to live in a free country. I was born in one. And I'm going to do whatever small thing I can do to maintain um, you know, the society that I, 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 okay. uh, I love. Uh, you know, I mentioned to you, speaking of Ukraine, that Senator J.D. Vance put out a memo today to every one of his Republican colleagues in Congress. Buried in the bill's text is an impeachment time bomb for the next Trump presidency if he tries to stop funding the war in Ukraine. And it points out here that uh, the supplemental impeachment time bomb, quote from his memo, President Trump has said in regard to the war in Ukraine, we've got to get the war settled and I'll get it settled. He has stated that he would resolve the war in 24 hours. The bill includes $1.6 billion for foreign military financing in Ukraine and $13.7 billion for the Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative. These funds expire on September 30th, 2025, nearly a year into the possible second term of President Trump. These are the exact same amounts President Trump was impeached for pausing in December of 2019. And every single House Republican voted against this impeachment Resolution. That, if you remember, that was after the call with Zelensky. Ultimately, the money did go to Ukraine, but that's why they impeached him because they wanted to. They wanted to shut him up. They wanted to shut him up. 
uh, because obviously Zelensky's got the receipts. I mean, I'm by the Biden crime family. That's why this why this money laundering operation known as a war in Ukraine is continuing. So the senator says if President Trump were to withdraw from or pause financial support for the war in Ukraine in order to bring the conflict to a peaceful conclusion over the objections of career experts, it would mount to the same fake violation of budget law from the first impeachment under markedly similar facts and circumstances. Partisan Democrats would seize on the opportunity to impeach him once again. The Washington Post has reported that tying President Trump's hands on foreign policy is very much top of mind for Biden administration officials who are openly boasting about their plans. The background quote is damning. And here's the damning quote. Quote, not incidentally, U.S. officials said the hope is that for the long-term promise, again, assuming congressional buy-in, will also future-proof aid for Ukraine against the possibility that former President Donald Trump wins his re-election bid. The supplemental represents an attempt by the foreign policy blob slash deep state to stop President Trump from pursuing his desired policy. And if he does so anyways, to provide grounds to impeach him and undermine his administration. All Republicans should oppose its passage. He's exactly right about that point. And I think, as you know, if you if you you tie that into what's going on with the Ukraine, you think about um, the, the the question of Biden, you know, trading bribes for classified information. And that's another big part of this, too. You know, we're all talking about Biden's senility. But as Margaret Cleveland of the Federalist pointed out. You know, Joe Biden's classified documents provide more evidence that Hunter's pay to play was a family affair. And these classified documents, you have to wonder the overlap in the timing, the topics of Joe Biden's vice presidency, Hunter Biden's business enterprises, and all these things, a close nexus between Hunter Biden's influence peddling and his father's responsibilities and access to intelligence during the elder, the, the, the elder's term as vice president. So everybody's talking about Biden's senility, but the specific details in the recovered documents remain unknown. The nearly 400-page report provided an extensive summary of the materials to confirm an overlap in the timing and the topics of Biden's vice presidency and Hunter Biden's business enterprises, including Ukraine overlap. Appendix A of the report provided a table summary of the documents recovered, many of the top secret and classified documents concerned Ukraine during the time frame when Hunter Biden acted as an intermediary between Burisma's owner, Mikola Zachevsky, and the vice president. Recall that Hunter's business partner, Devin Archer, told the House Oversight Committee that in early March 2014, he met Zlochevsky while in Moscow, and soon after he and Hunter Biden joined Burisma's board, receiving $83,000 a month. The following month, Hunter Biden sent Archer an email dated April 13th, 2014, one week before Joe Biden would travel to Ukraine and then meet Prime Minister Arseniy Yatsenikov. Referring to, quote, my guy's upcoming travels, Hunter then elaborated on 22 points about Ukraine's political situation with detailed information about the upcoming election and predicting an escalation of Russia's destabilization campaign, which could lead to a full-scale takeover of the eastern region, most critically Donetsk according to the New York Post. And among material recovered from President Biden's unauthorized storage locales were several top secret and otherwise classified or confidential documents discussing Ukraine. One updated document discussed issues related to a Russian aggression toward Ukraine. 
Another dated September 20, September 17, 2014, consisted of a memorandum for the vice president from staff members with subject U.S. energy assistance to Ukraine. Also dated was an event memo from a vice presidential national security staffer titled Lunch with Ukrainian President Poroshenko. In other words, the question you have to ask yourself is, was Biden giving all this information to Hunter to make it look like Hunter had the goods, the access that he needed? And don't forget, during Biden's visit to Ukraine the following week, the vice president threatened to withhold the money if they did not fire the prosecutor, Victor Shokin. So all these things regarding Ukraine and the timeline and the overlap here, and I talked about this earlier today on the show as well, but just remember this, all of this is there. Special counsel's report makes one thing clear. Joe Biden will never face a jury, not because he's innocent, but because he lacks the mental competence. So then, of course, the question becomes, is the 25th Amendment bad? You know it is. You know it is. Have a great rest of your day today. Thank you so much for listening to the show. The great one, Mark Levin, is up next. Back with you tomorrow. Keep the conversation going on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thank you. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.